Ah, much better. So let's get started. Um, cover some uh, news real quick about the past week, uh, what's going on, um, what has been transpiring this week within the Honda crew. Uh, we picked up a, uh, a sponsor kind of, actually two sponsors. Um, and one of them will be announcing next week when I get the graphics for them. Uh, Tech Strong TV, of course, is going to air this episode spread out through next week um, on their TV show, uh, Digital Anarchist. Um, and it's really been growing, man. Like, I don't think I've seen this many people jump into the podcast this early. Like, it's just phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so our group is growing and we have uh, a lot of really good people joining um big addition was a uh, ghost and patrick and then we also have alberto daniel hill i don't think he could make it today for some reason um but he's also part of the crew he's in now uh, so uh, you know if you guys see him in the uh, discord you know holler at him make him feel welcome um so tonight the format's gonna be a little bit different um, we're going to talk about our stories, kind of talk about the old days, talk about hacktivism, talk about what's going on in the future and today and, and all the political nonsense that's going on. Um, so Ryan is going to help me co-host this. And uh, I'm going to ask Ghost and Patrick to unmute yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, cool. All right. Yo. Yo. What's up, guys? What up? Um, yeah, so so having Ghost in the crew is kind of a big deal for me um, because our paths crossed a couple times back in the day. Um, and I don't know if you guys listened to his Darknet Diaries story uh, on that podcast. I think it was like, what, episode 70 maybe? Yes. Yeah, yeah, episode 70. Um, and his actual video of the exploit he did is on YouTube, which was absolutely phenomenal um uh, props for that um so yeah uh back in the day um when i left the military we started talking about you know the the state of the world and politics and the nonsense that was going on um and a bunch of us kind of conglomerated together with different people different groups and kind of created a big collective well the, the, that collective spun off into several different groups we had other groups joining from from other places um, and, you know, group splitting within the group. So hacktivism can get like really, I guess, confusing as far as, uh, who's who and, and, and where everybody's at and where they're dedicated to. Uh, and of course you had people like Barrett who was a voice for some movements and kind of a, a pain for the others. Um, so, it, I mean, it's really, it's really like drastic, right? So you guys know my story. I'm not going to bore you with my story. Um, you know, I've talked about it many times. So I'm going to hand this over to Ghost and let him talk about what he's been through, what his stories look like, what it's like now, um, how things are different. Because I know that even technology is much different now than, than before when uh, Ghost got in trouble. Um, so I'm kind of trying to help, like, bring technology and, and kind of show him some stuff and, and you know, if you guys want to do like videos and stuff, that'd be cool too. But Ghost, go ahead, man. Tell us what's up. Where where would you like me to begin? The beginning. And can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. You're good, bro. You're good. All right. Well, um, well, I can tell you 
where I've been since coming out of prison, um, it has been relatively difficult trying to acclimate back, you know, into the way things are and um, to try to catch up, you know, socio-technologically. So much has evolved. You have to keep in mind that when you're locked up in a cage and, and isolated from society and from the way things are shifting and moving, you remain the same while everything else is evolving. And so, you know, it was like coming out of a time machine into a world that, that was not the way I left it. Um, I mean, all of technology has changed and just the way that we interface with each other, the way we interact, um, it's, it's, it's really strange. Sometimes I, I talk to my friends about uh, back in the day that um, we would pick up a phone and we would call each other but if we were going to do anything outside of that, we'd have to go home and, and get on our computers. You know what I mean? Now we take it with us everywhere we go. It never leaves our hands. I mean, it's, it's right here. It's, it's, it's not far. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I didn't have access to current information while I was locked up. Uh, I didn't have access to email systems and a lot of literature I was not allowed to have. So it made it very difficult for me to, to understand where things were shifting, where I, whereas in contrast, I was, you know, I remained the same in the exact state of mind for 11 years. <laughs> it was so, pretty, it was pretty radical. So, so talk to me about like the literature, right? Because I've, I've had friends in prison for extended amounts of time and, and I know getting to a terminal or even getting like literature to, to read about like technical stuff can be like really difficult. Hmm. Literature. The most coveted literature I wanted was 2600 Magazine, okay? Um, every now and then I could get it smuggled in. Um, but it was really freaking difficult. Uh, that's what really you know, helped me understand where, where things were moving. That and sometimes like PC World, um, things like that. Um, Wired, I'm not a big fan of Wired Magazine. You know, not, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, just not my, my forte. But... Uh, 2600 I fought tooth and nail to, to get a hold of it and uh, and just just seeing the exploits that were coming out uh, the different um, just the way like the hacker mentality was was like skyrocketing and and absorbing new technology and and taking it apart and and, and rebuilding it and, and explaining it to others is just man it just blew my mind and it just killed me not being able to to have you know, unrestricted access to that type of literature. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, uh, I'm a subversant, I'm sub, uh, sub, you know, type of individual. I don't really like rules. One of the first things I did when I got into jail is I would write down everything that I knew about hacking, even the most basic stuff, and, and I would just give it to people. Uh, and they would send it home to their wives or to their kids who needed it done. And I'd show them how to do it. This was like my my thumbing my nose at the system, uh, um, just writing free literature and just handing it out to people. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. But all that stuff is just obsolete now. All of it. Yeah. So, not only that, but like you know, when you when you get out, like it's like you said, it's a totally different world, and the technology yeah. is like really, I mean, booming. You know, if you look at like eleven years ago, it's just what we had back then is nowhere near what we have today. And I, I remember like, you know, I sent you the, the RF dongle, like that didn't exist back in the day. Like that was not something we did, you right. know, but, 
but now it's like, you know, in a miniature device, which used to be in a big, huge, like radio platform. Um, So things are way different. So talk to me about ETA. Tell me about ETA. Well, it doesn't start with ETA. It starts with a group called the Insane Masterminds Crew. Uh, But anyways, so back in the day, since 1998, I loved being the lone wolf. I like being alone. Um, but at one point in the early 2000s, I realized that I could really expedite, you know, my learning curve by hooking up with other people and seeing what is trending, what is attractive, what are other groups after. And so I ended up being recruited uh, in this crew called uh, I am Insane Masterminds Crew. And it was badass. And at first, it was really great. Um, but I felt, you know, the, the leader of this group, he was like a, a megalomaniac, just just a really just overprivileged kid from Silicon Valley. Man, he was just really nasty. And I was just, you know what, I'm going to create a group of my own. If he could do this, so could I. And so I decided to start the ETA and I ran it by him because I thought, you know, we were pals and, you know, he didn't see it that way. And he made a big problem out of it. And he said that he he would make me his enemy if I ever did such a thing. And I was just, you know, I'm, I wasn't really exposed to this part of the, of the, of the hacker mind, how we could, how we can shift um, um, allies. Uh, we could shift just like at the drop of a dime. And I don't know what triggers it, but sometimes we can do that. And so uh, over the course of a year, I systematically just wiped him off the map. Um, it got so deep that, we had uh, ETA members hosting his own forum and websites. So like at the very end, we just, we got rid of them and we ended up absorbing all of their members and creating a few of our own. And I just wanted to create a platform for people to, to feel themselves, even if they didn't have the, the tech savviness as, as, as some of us. Um, we trained people who didn't have experience um, and if they just really couldn't catch it, you know, you know, understanding how to take things down and, and, and rebuilding them in the, uh, uh, any type of like programming like HTML or reverse engineering uh, JavaScript or, or just basic shit, we would uh, teach them how to social engineer and we would utilize them that way and how to do basic scans. And so everybody had a pocket. And so we had a multifaceted group with lots of different skill sets and everybody did something on, on the mission table. And, um, and as, as bizarre as that might sound, you know, it really wasn't about who was being, who was the best crew, but we were extremely resourceful and a lot of things that people don't know that we were able to do ended up in my, F, in my FBI file, which I've been trying to get a hold of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, like we did a lot of freaking stuff. <laughs> and uh any one of the uh just uh eta members that are that are still around today that are not members you know they could vouch for that because we catch a lot of flack because people see that you know this this stupid video of mine where i'm you know lurking around a a a a, a private clinic with off crack installing botnets that that was like all that i knew how to do and they have it all wrong and i'm glad they have it wrong because I really don't care anymore. <laughs> that could have made you. That could have made your case a lot more difficult it if they knew been. exactly what you could do. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. 
but, but the, uh, but like the video said, was it was a home. The video was epic, though. The video was uh, when I saw it on YouTube. I was I was surprised. First of all, it was the actual footage from the attack, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's that bold. It. That's that's straight out bold." Um, I was a I was a maniac, bro. Like <laughs> I was one of those like overzealous like maniac fascist just brain jobs. Like I get these things in my mind. And I'm thinking this is the way it has to be. This was a propaganda video. I needed this to to inspire some of the younger hackers to just freaking install our bots on anything they can get their hands on and let's just go to town. I think it was a really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great video though. It was so awesome. Um, and it's funny because like off crack and, and you know, booting up to CD-ROM and grabbing the passwords that way, it's actually quite resourceful. Now, you know, nowadays it's a little different, you know, we use like USB and Mimikatz and, and all that good stuff. But it goes to show like the evolution of, of technology from back then to now. But I think that all of us as hacktivists were like really bold and brazen, like, you know, hack something and, and put it in their face. Like, you know, we'll be back, you know, and oh, this yeah. is how it's going to be. Um, so at what point did ETA and your path cross uh, my group's path, Anonymous? Oh, let's see. 2007-ish, 2008. And it's so funny, dude. I'm going to tell you, like, this is the most embarrassing part. Like my exposure to anonymous at the time was the infamous Fox 11 news clip. Like I'm thinking, wow, these motherfuckers are terrorists. These guys, they're like freaking serious. Like, and we're thinking about Habbo hotel, put that, throw that in there. And you got, you know, the other side of the coin, you've got the protests against Scientology, but like my mind, you have to understand the way my mind thinks is I take things very literally. So I'm seeing these video clips. I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's a terrorist group. And they all wear this this Shakespearean mask. Like, I was afraid to touch it. I sent some of my own members to go investigate it. I was like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> and they come back speaking, like, all that anonymous jargon. And I was thinking, dude, they got you brainwashed. How could you? Like, they're, they're freaking... You know what I mean? They're, they're flipping sides. You, you can't double dip when you're with the ETA. Like, come on, man. So, so when he, I went up talking to um, various members of Anonymous, and they're all just trolling me to death, dude. I'm like, there's this guy. He's like, uh, I don't even want to get it. That's too embarrassing shit. <laughs> I was looking for the leader of Anonymous. I had no idea that there was no leader, that it was completely decentralized. Yeah, and, well, in, in, in that token, too, it's not truly decentralized. Like, there's a core group of people who, like, ran the IRC and, and ran different operations. But um, I think where journalists get it wrong, especially with groups like like ETA and, and with LulzSec and LizardSec and all yeah. this, they try to figure it out. But it's one of those things that they kind of look at it from the outside and try to figure it out. And it's never 100% accurate because none of our mm -hmm. missions would be successful had we not had somebody in charge of those, those missions, you know? Um, right. <laughs> but when I, when I, when I saw that you had crossed anonymous, I was like, you know, the, the name sounds really familiar. And I think I remember the, the conflict that, that broke out. Um, but it's with every group, right? So we had our yeah. own people in our own group, like splitting off and, and Sabu and his. We were trying to understand anonymous because it, uh, this was a, a, an enigma. It didn't yeah. make sense at the time. Yeah. It still it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it made it made sense, but you know what? Like today, its in own our twisted time, way. Yeah. Today, in, in <laughs> our current time in the political situation, like anonymous makes more sense now 
than it did back Absolutely. then. Yeah. And it's weird. I was going to bring this up. Like, it's weird how, you know, we started this group, Haunted Hacker, and all of a sudden we start getting people like migrating back to that group mentality, you know, and back right. to the hacking groups. But I think that has a lot to do with the, the tension in the environment and the overall pulse on the political system and people just getting screwed over. Um, I think oh, uh, people have had enough. And then when that happens, it's like, like minds tend to migrate. It's like magnetism. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. There's no way that that's, you know, some of these amazing hacktivist, you know, feats that anonymous was able to do from 2012 on up, you know, those, they were like these, these super secret cell groups. I remember seeing some of these on, on the news and what I could catch in the newspapers. It, it's like, I was in the wrong era. I just freaking missed it. I was so amazed. Yeah. Um, it's, it's come a long way. Yeah. So, Oh, it was just mind blowing. Yes. Um, yeah. So I ended up meeting or, or speaking to these uh, anonymous members. And that's when I started to, to make friends with anonymous. But like I said to you before, you know, ETA received really powerful, offensive, uh, um, you know, resources from another group called Zero Day Exile, and they were staunchly against Anonymous. So when ETA started to become Anonymous friendly, you know, we had to play both sides of that fence by, you know, making our, our, our um, excuse me, making our, our, um, our allies happy while at the same time, you know, pursuing our own path in anonymous. A lot of people know that, you know, Fixer, which was a prolific uh, ETA member, doubled as Darth Anonymous. And people recognize him at DEF CON. Um, like, we definitely loved Anonymous at some point. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody hated or loved Anonymous at one point. I think it went back and forth depending on what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, like, so you're, you're, you're out of prison now, you're free, um, you're working, catching up with technology, um, you hooked up with, with this crew, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm totally glad you found a place to like hang out, you know, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see for like the future, man? Like, you know, the, the shit's really crazy here in the U S right now, like really crazy. You know, <laughs> what's your yeah. take on where we go from here? Well, I know where I want to go, but um, I, I really want to get uh, certified in digital forensics because I think it would be very useful to assist, you know, criminal defendants with their digital forensics. Uh, and I got this in my mind 11 years ago because I had the chief forensics investigator for the public defender's office working on my case. He was a complete, complete fucking imbecile. And I don't normally say that about people. Um, I always try to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this guy was an apex idiot. Um, like he had been in his profession for as long as I had been a hacker. And some of the, 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 the no brainer things we would fight over and squabble. It was like, uh, Mr. McGraw, uh, let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a certified ethical hacker. There is no such thing. There is nothing ethical about hacking, uh, sir. And I was, and we would fight over the dumbest shit. And for example, you know, I used to do a lot of uh, terminal services uh, exploits with remote tops. Um, we would use Metasploit, uh, TS Grinder, TS Crack, um, 
things of that nature. And one of the things like in TS Grinder, after it would, uh, you know, conclude a dictionary attack, it would say like crack successful. I had a screenshot of that once. And he looked at this screenshot. It's like, Mr. McGraw, I, I simulated the, I tried to simulate this in command prompt, um, like a dozen different times. You cannot make it say crack success, successful. I don't know about you, Mr. McGraw, but I think you fabricated this. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's. And that was Dallas. That was Dallas County, right? Dallas. Yeah. And this guy inadvertently told me who the who the CI was on my case. <laughs> nice. Like who does that? <laughs> so so for, so for people who don't know, um, so Ghost and the prosecutor that that was prosecuting him, the FBI agents that were involved in his case were also involved in Barrett Brown's case, which was also involved in my case, and so it was like a triad of like bullshit and yeah. i mean when you look at the cases like publicly the stuff that they cite and the comments they make it's it's almost like they it was post 9 11 right so anything that that yeah. was considered hacking was an act of terrorism um so they really trumped up some like crazy ass statements and, and charges and i think fidel i don't know if you know fidel but fidel salinas had literally like almost 50 felonies um, for breaking into a school network. Yeah, yeah. So he did like, I, I don't know how much time he did in prison, but it was a lot. Um, wow. So yeah, like the, the, the court system is not capable of handling cybercrime. Um, no. And I kind of talk about that on my talks in Europe is that we need like a one court system like worldwide, almost like an Interpol type court that has people who, who, who knows cyber law and can actually prosecute and sentence, but sentence within like reasonable guidelines. Like there's no reason why somebody who, ha who hacked into a computer network should get more time than a rapist or murderer or a pedophile. Like that shit is unheard of, but it happens all the time. Um, yeah, it happened with uh, that Steelville uh, hacker in Ohio, KY Anonymous. He got more time for doing what he did than the rapist that he was trying to expose. Yep, yep. And that's, that's pretty common, right? So with... Yeah. Facebook, we took down a bunch of pedophile uh, profiles. And even when we hit ISIS on, on Facebook and social platforms and we destroyed like a thousand profiles, the police and law enforcement were like, look, you're impeding on investigation. Don't do that again. We'll consider it a crime. And I'm like, really? Like doing your job is a crime? So, I mean, they, they really don't have a good handle on cybercrime and what, right. what it entails. Um, so, with that being said, like the, the current political situation is so beyond screwed. Um, and I think we're going to end up with some riots and, and some other stuff. But I do think, yeah. So I, I think that other hacking groups, I know APT28 has already jumped in. Um, and there's going to be some other groups probably joining. But I think that there's going to be like a mass onslaught of digital attacks like within the next week. Um, because nobody trusts the government and, and mm -hmm. the way things are going is just so shady. But right. it, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, what groups jump up. I know Anonymous is kind of like, kind of peeking their head out, like, you know, hey, we're still here, but I don't know how valid it is anymore. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, there is a, there is a Anonymous channel on Twitter and they claim that they have a campaign against the Department of Justice for this year, scheduled for this year. I don't know what that entails any more than the next man, but 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they come up with these operations. Um, the operation against China, they delivered a video and basically said, you know, hey, we've seen the footage leaked from Wuhan and, you know, stop mistreating your people, whatever. And, and China was like, yeah, go screw yourself. We don't care. Um, right. <laughs> but I don't think Anonymous has the power that they used to have. I'll probably get slammed for that all over social media. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So, Ryan, what questions do you have for, for Ghost? Sorry, oh, this is necessarily just for Ghost. But can you guys explain what the political climate's like? Over in the states at the moment, like for those of us who aren't in from the U.S., sure, no, it's, yep. it's a shit show. But yeah. so, so take take a take a bottle of propane and sit yeah, it out yeah. like across the field, and then take yeah, like yeah. a fifty cal and shoot that bottle of propane. That's what it's like right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and both sides are, are collaborating and doing just some weird shit um, and really using the people as pawns and. and they're falling for hook, line, and sinker. Um, that is so true. Uh, it's horrible. But yeah, like, so that political climate is about to come to a uh, precipice, I guess, probably this week when Biden does his inauguration week. They've already locked down DC. They've sent uh, something like 10,000 troops into DC to take over the Capitol and, and kind of defend the public buildings. Um, and they're expecting like widespread riots through DC and each state capital. Um, has been warned uh, ahead of the uh, inauguration. Personally, I don't care. I, I really hope they burn down all of the uh, government buildings because they are our buildings, right? We pay them. Um, we should have a right to do what we want to with them. And right now, I think the people are just tired of government, period. It's so corrupt. It is uh, bad. And I'll probably get slammed for that as well. But, you know, it is what it is. It's past the so, breaking What are you point. doing with yourself these days, man? What? What do you do to fill your days, bro? Me? You. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, well, I I was writing for uh, Forklog Media and for Being Crypto. They're an online uh, cryptocurrency technology magazine. Um, but I've taken pause for that um, for, until probably about summertime. I'm just working in a warehouse now. Um, I just need to pick up on some money and... Um, but I, I love writing. That's what I'm going to do. Um, probably mostly that. And, uh, you know, I want to get that certification digital forensics and do something because I'm not motivated by dirty money. And I know that's one of the things I'm going to face if I'm if I'm working in the court system. I fucking hate what they do to people um, and how they're able to to get away with so much because some ordinary people don't know or they're not tech savvy. And that's one thing I'm going to put my foot down, make sure that doesn't happen on my watch. If I can help it, you know, but I'm like, I've never been motivated by dirty money. I've never, I'm not a scammer. I've never stolen money. I've always been happy with money with what I make. And that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do this year. (laughs) So the prison time that you serve, will that, will that impact your ability to be able to uh, be involved in the court system in the States? Like, will we be an outside consultant? How does it, how does that work? I think, I think Kevin Mitnick was a president for, for things like that. Um, I mean, someone like him was able to, to, to completely flip the script, so to speak. You know, it, it may it may be difficult at first, but I think reputation is the one thing that 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 the courts are are more concerned about. If you if you are a good witness. Yeah. So another thing, too, is that there's a lot of people on the speaking circuit when I was in Europe that advocate for 
giving hackers jobs, right? Like, I think a lot of people over there in Europe understand that we're misunderstood. Um, and the more speaking I did over there, the more offers I got. I mean, I sit on sit on two boards of two different companies. Who who does that? And then when I got a CISO job, the headlines in fintech magazines was company hires ex anonymous as a CISO. Like that was big. I mean, I think that was like the first article that talked positive about people like us and, and our backgrounds. But you know, the more that we're vocal about it and talk about you know the problems and, and advocate for other people, like those doors will open. Um, and they may not trust you with everything. Like I still run into situations like, so I interviewed, <laughs> I interviewed with this, this company in Germany. It was actually given a job. Um, they sent me a contract and it was epic, bro. So the contract at the very end of it was like, are you a member of Scientology? Um, if so, what's your role in Scientology? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, so you specified Scientology that does that mean like every other group, like, you know, nefarious group is okay, just not Scientology. Um, and I had to explain to him, I was like, look, if you look at the history of anonymous, of course, I'm not in Scientology. Like that is a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we're so misunderstood in like business, right. And a lot of businesses want that mystique of, you know, a, a former hacker, like joining their team and, and helping them out. So I don't think you'll have a problem with that. Plus, you know, the more we can get you involved and get you into media and speaking engagements, uh, that's not a problem, man. So, so how, how do we so, educate the public about the difference between black hat and black heart? Like, <laughs> that's a good question. Handle that one. You know, I there's a part of my book where I where I try to break down some of these um, these stereotypes or these categories because just just because someone is a black, I mean. A black hat doesn't mean that 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 person has 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 criminally you know minded intentions or or they're a bad person. I've met some white hats who are pieces of shit. Like they are bona fide, like terminally <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> That's not to say that all white hats are that way. Of course not. But then I've met some black hats who who will, you know, um, just go out on a limb to. For, 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 for a just cause who don't steal other people's shit, who don't fuck up other people's shit. They just, they just break the law because it's fun or they, they, or they, they just, you know, they'll, they'll intrude, but they won't steal or they'll intrude and steal and give away. I mean, you, you don't know, like all these, these, these barriers, these categories really don't work. I don't think they work. No, they don't. I, I for example, in my book, I, in my autobiography, I, I went into this degree where I met this guy named Henrik. He was a, a family friend of my wife at the time. And uh, he was the worst piece of shit white hat I had ever met in my entire life. He was bragging to me about, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these guys on this website. Here's the website I'm watching. These guys, I know they're up to no good. And all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call the FBI and they're gonna get you know hit with a, with a search warrant and blah, 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 blah. I've got these guys by the balls, ha, ha, ha. And this, this guy, is doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, so what I end up doing is I have to contact these guys and let them know, look, dude, shut down your, your operation, let it go, move on. You've got to, th this guy was like, he was just a, a freaking maniac. And just because he, he wore the, the white hat collar didn't make him a really decent person. Uh, now I 
know a lot of white hats who are wonderful people and i have nothing bad to say about white hats but it's just not everybody's cut from the same cloth no and you have to you have to think about it too is uh, like black hats some black hats don't have motivations but they get mixed up in an operation or a group of people that have more power over them or very true. blackmail them and they don't have a choice but to help and they're always the ones who are hit you know, with, with the blame or, or being a scapegoat, which is really, yeah. even government. So, it's so true. Look, look at governments, man. So how many black hats work for the government? I can think of at least 20 off the top of my head. Right. And they employ them to attack other countries, attack people, um, break into person, you know, private networks. You know, it's, it's, it's a game that everybody plays. It's not something that it we is. play. It's a global game. And it always will be. It is a global game. Everybody has their own intentions, motivations, and, and whatever circumstances shape them onto that trajectory. Um, so, I mean, yeah. But, you know, I would – everybody always asks me, would you ever help the government? And I would – my, my answer is always no. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, I, it's, 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 it's exploitation on a personal level. Yeah, so my work with, with the government – and being a CI, um, they really abused me. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have to do CI work against any domestic groups, it was all foreign. But even then, um, they really make you feel like a servant, like, like not like a human being. You know, they, mm. they basically just, just like- Terrible, bro. Run your shit. And uh, yeah, they may kick you back a couple bucks here and there, but they keep you dependent on them, which is really fucked. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've and I've seen CIs do some really bad shit to the government, and that may be why they act that way. Um, but I haven't had a good experience with the U.S. government at all. I mean, being overseas and, and being considered a cyber terrorist and having my passport revoked in a foreign country is pretty fucked up. Um, <laughs> Get any worse than that, yeah. <laughs> no. So we were watching um, the guy uh, who stopped, I guess, Eternal Blue. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Um, he goes by like Bauer Wolf or something like that. Um, but he was in the U.S. And they did the same thing to him. They killed his passport. Um, Wanna cry? Yeah, French said Wanna cry. So it was on the Hunter Hacker um, episode on Netflix, I think. Um, but yeah, like they do some really rotten shit to people, especially hackers. You know, mm-hmm. and there's no, we have no power over that. You know, they throw every agency they have. If they can't get you with like the FBI, they'll go after like State Department, shut your shit off. They'll throw the IRS at you. They'll ban you from banking. You know, they make you what I call making making somebody a zero. Like you don't yeah. exist. Is that, is that like, you to to do work for them? Is that is it these the tactics they take? Is that what you're talking about? What's that? Is that is that the pressure they have put on you so that you? basically do what they ask or is this just something they do if you're out of sorts or what's the they, they do it because they can right so when i was a ci with them i did what what they wanted me to do I, I provided them the information i operated in groups they wanted i was good and clear until it was election time and, and the voting in 2016 and, and i started getting close to what was really going on and when i got close enough to figure out what was going on they just kind of cut me loose and then after that it was like weird shit started happening banks, I can't get a bank account, um, hit all the four S's on flights and, and the extra screening. And then my passport gets suspended, um, revoked. So they do what they want in order to keep you from being able to, I guess, gain some, some foothold to disclose or, or, you know, bring them into the light. Um, the government in the U S is like really corrupt and always has been. Yeah. 
it's not going to change. So, Ghost, did they ever approach you to work for them or? Hmm? Did they ever approach you to work for the government? Like, uh, Absolutely. Um, they approach us all. <laughs> they approach us all. In uh, 2009, I was approached by a, <clears throat> by a, a Department of Defense uh, recruiter of some kind when I was participating in the DC3 challenge over on dc3.mil. Um, <clears throat> he specifically wanted me to, to narc on my friends. I wouldn't do it. The only thing that I offered were some of the exploits that we discovered in, in government websites, just some, some lame little, little things here and there. But during my case, they wanted several of my members, um, and I was looking at 20 years with the possibility of half a million dollars in restitution. But I mean, my guidelines wouldn't allow it, but I ended up getting one year below the statutory max of what they could give me because I wouldn't tell on my friends. I'm yeah. happy I didn't. <laughs> That's pretty common too. Like, yeah, it is very common. Yeah, and, and the way they manipulate it. So when Fidel got arrested, they basically threw like something close to 50 felony charges at him uh, unless he became a CI. And he refused. And they were like, okay, well, then you go to prison. And they were literally going to try to press the whole, you know, 50 or 44 or whatever it was. And uh, his lawyer was able to fight out on most of it. Um, but still, I mean, they will bury you under the prison because for one, you're a threat uh, because you know more than what they know. Um, you have the ability that they don't have. And so yeah. if you don't go to prison, they come to you and say, hey, look, we need some help because our Department of Justice, like technical team is not smart enough to like fight the way of a paper bag. Um, which brings me to another point. So Ghost came to us through another member of Anonymous who was part of the Anonymous IRC back in the day, um, Johnny Five, a.k.a. Patrick. This guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Patrick, tell us about how that happened, man, because I'm curious, too. All right. Um, hey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> what up? Um, yeah, so similar to Ghost's story, um, you know, I grew up with a bunch of little vigilante hackers on, you know, different IRC chat channels, um, you know, landed me naturally in an anonymous is uh area because one day i was hanging out on 4chan and this is the craziest story um <laughs> you know i see this fucking tom cruise video being passed around you know and i'm thinking like what the fuck is this you know so um they're all like yeah we're gonna go fuck scientology up over it and i'm like okay you know sounds like a good idea i'm like i know how to act shit so let's do this you know um you know, I hung out in like FNAT, you know, the different, I mean, I've been all around, man. Um, but I really got going from that point on. Um, I remember watching like uh, DEF CON videos and shit. Uh, who is it? Uh, Jeremy Hammond. Um, I remember oh. seeing that video in like yeah. 2004. You know, that, that kind of shit, like it, it spoke to me. Um, you know, like uh, just uh, the idea of unity and, um, you know, gathering together and you know, just fucking off. I mean, it, right. it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, like Exodus was saying, it wasn't like it is now, you know, yeah. it seems to, uh, have evolved into like cyber gangs. Whereas, you know, I, I didn't really take it that serious. I, I mean, I didn't even own a computer until like 2007. I used to go to a library, <laughs> like, <Wow>. um, 
<laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I, I spent most of my time up there, uh, you know, logging into different chat rooms and shit like that. And that, it's like all I researched, you know, was about computer hacking and, you know, di different shit. Um, just tech was my thing. Um, but yeah, back to Anonymous. Uh, so from there on out, we I, I watched um, some shit go down. Um, a lot of people went down. Um, you know, it, it got crazy. You know, people went in different directions. Um, I did myself. Um, I, ra I later resurfaced, you know, after 2012, um, you know, after a lot of the arrests like Barrett Brown and, and some of the other key characters like Sabu. Um, we all heard about it and, you know, naturally I boogied out. Um, I got, I came back, um, because of, uh, you know, like operations like Ferguson and stuff like that. You know, there was some other, you know, critical ops that I, I, I wanted to make sure I was involved with. <laughs> um, so, you know, from there on out, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it, it ended it, as soon as it began pretty much um last year i you know made a decision you know to just take a step down and you know try, to, hardest, try to be yeah that's the hardest part is is walking away from that and like giving up those connections mm -hmm. yes it, it, well it, it's not like i gave up any connections it's just you know when you know shit's going on you know you, you just kind of stay out of it and let them do their thing yeah um every, everybody that knows me knows you know i was pretty much nothing short of a tactical nuke when it came to hacktivism <laughs> um but it, it's been interesting you know coming up and you know now i'm just looking forward to um and, and that's another thing about me that i don't think a lot of people understand you know as i was an it professional you know um you know i've been uh, i'm a former it manager you know so I, I, it wasn't all just me jumping online to fuck computers up. You know, I actually worked in the industry. Um, you know, hopefully my uh, former employees don't, <laughs> employers don't uh, look any further down on me. Um, you know, I just thought what I was doing was right and made sense. So and that, that brings me back to our group, right? So this group started out as like simply a podcast, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just like, a bunch of us getting together and like you know talking about bullshit and all of a sudden it's become like this thing and i've been interviewed about you know tell me about your movement and i'm like whoa that that's like too familiar like this is some weird shit like not like we we thought about this and planned it out like hey this is what we're gonna do we're gonna stand for this we're gonna stand for that it was more of a podcast and all of a sudden it became a movement um but i think it lends to the environment and people just want some kind of truth and, and transparency and like some kind of level of people being genuine. Right. Um, yeah. and, and the same thing, like, you know, when I told you about, you know, how it felt with this group and, and how it felt with anonymous when we first starting out, it's the same tone, it's the same vibe, same type of environment. You know, back then we had post 11, we had the, you know, the Iraq war, all that good stuff. Right. And we were bouncing back from that, but the government was like intriguing on everything. So some time went by, things were chill, you know, they got past that. And then all of a sudden this, and then now this group is coming back together again. Um, it's it's, it's really funny strange. too, because I, I think, uh, what was it? Um, 
2002 or something like that. I remember when the Matrix came out and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I want to fucking hack computers like that, you know? I'm thinking like, man, that shit is fucking cool, you know? I'm like, where do I sign up? I'm like, where, you know, so I would, like I said, I would always go to the library. It was the only place where computers were in that time, you know? Um, they weren't like a household item, I mean, and they were fucking expensive, you know? So, um, it's been interesting, man. It, it's evolved. It, I think that the way the direction where IT and IT security is going, um, you know, it's it, it's got so many dynamics to it now. It's it's amazing to see, you know, how it how it evolved, you know, from something, you know, from our our day, you know, when it's just it's crazy, man. I mean, yeah. And he's looking at the cert list. Then I was like, wow, <laughs> like, where do I start? Dude, the, the cert list, the certs are its own industry within itself. And they've hijacked yeah. everybody's talent and said, okay, you know, this is a standard. You got to pay us $10,000 and, uh, you know, go to this five-day boot camp and take this bullshit test. And all of a sudden you're, you're qualified to be like the defense of some right. company. Um, I fight against that because, it, you know, if you're going to hire someone based on three letters behind their name, then I don't want to work for you. Um and when I, um, when I, when I interviewed people, like I look at, I put together what I call a gauntlet, right? Put together a virtual box environment with multiple machines, multiple vulnerabilities and say, Hey, look, you got a day, go for it. Show me what you can find, break into it, write me a report and present that report to me. I don't care about certs. You know, certs, certs may get you into government contracts, but what yeah. does it really say besides the fact you can take a test? That, that's um, that's an interesting story. Uh, somebody <laughs> hired me out there one time, and he, uh, I, I, I told him I, he was. He, I forgot what he said, but he was like, he's like, I want the guy on his way to jail, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be on my way to fucking jail, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it just it made me laugh because he he was actually giving me you know credibility in a way. You know, he was right. saying like. You know, you're good at what you do. So, you know, if I'm going to hire you for a contract, he's like, he knew what I was doing, you know. So. Yeah, but they're, they're creating that environment, right? So the more they rely on certs, they're creating that environment where they're putting separation between people who really know what they're doing and people who want to know what they're doing. Um, yeah. And you're not going to get that quality unless you look at somebody like us who have been on that way to jail or past jail. Uh, because what you're going to get is academia, somebody who can read a book and take a test. I think all three of us can agree that there there's a difference when you're doing it illegally <laughs> than when you're when you're not. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like most of the systems that I've gone after. You know, I didn't know anything about them. You know, um, it was just you know like red light go. <laughs> totally, totally black box, right? But mm -hmm. what was cool is when I was working with uh, one of the financial giants in the U.S. Um, during Occupy Wall Street. Wow, yeah, that was interesting. Leaking their shit to anonymous databases, mortgages, fraud, and doing that during like collecting that data during the day while I was working as a trusted, you know, employee in threat management in their company, in a major company, and at night dumping that shit in the channels. You know, it's like mm -hmm. how much do they really know. So now those those financial institutions and other organizations are hiring people to like look at the individuals within a company inside of threat inside of threat yeah. wasn't a, a thing before like 9 11 before 2001 but now they're like oh shit we're giving these people access and these people are walking off with data and costing us millions of dollars 
Um, yeah. So that, it, it looks like to me, the industry moves and changes along with what we do. Like the three of us, like the, the type of people we are, the, the industry kind of follows what we do and kind of molds to stop people like us. Um, but what they don't understand is like, we're very unpredictable. And you know, <laughs> a lot of the companies put, put together these algorithms based on behaviors and based on past experience, but yeah, those algorithms never work. David um, and Sam, that, that's one thing that I never did was um, hack from home, right? Right, right. So I, I would, I, I mean, it, it, I probably spent a lot of real real estate at Starbucks, and I'm not going to even lie. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel bad because, like, I probably abused the shit out of Starbucks Wi-Fi probably five years. But, well, um, look at Home Depot, right? The guys at The Feds do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so look at Home Depot and the guys who hack those hundreds of credit card numbers and took millions mm -hmm. of dollars from Home Depot, did it from their parking lot and yeah. hacked into their Wi-Fi, which right. do some Wi-Fi hacking later. But, um, you know, it, there's a lot of simple stuff out there that people don't understand. Like, you know, there's RF, you know, I was talking to Ghost about, you know, RF and, and the shit that exists as far as like, you know, what you can obtain and, and what you can mimic. Um, and then Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is so simple. And especially with everybody on lockdown and working from home, like Wi-Fi is like the shit now. Like it went from being, uh, you know, I'm not really concerned about the next door neighbor's Wi-Fi to I know they're working from home and right. their Wi-Fi shit. So let's see what we can get. Um, not saying they did that, but it, it's very <laughs> probable that that happens around the world. Um, um, that's funny, too, because um, I always tell young hackers this story and shit. You know, it's like 2009 and I just got into college, you know, and. Um, I, I was broke, obviously, you know, a college student. And uh, that, that's how I got through like almost like six months of my first like semesters was I hacked into the neighbor's Wi-Fi. And, and it, <laughs> it was just, I don't know, it was just naturally something that I did. Um, my aunt gave me a laptop. I remember that. And she's like, you know, make, make sure you, you know, keep your shit together. And she's like, don't be hacking into nobody's shit, you know, because she knew I was good, you know, like she just... I don't know. I'm thankful that somebody pushed me in, in a right direction, even though I was doing stupid shit on the internet. I still, you know, managed to walk somewhere. <laughs> so, so this is a question I want to ask you two guys. Um, mm -hmm. As far as your backgrounds go, right? How did mm -hmm. your family approach or try to understand or react to what you did, right? So I know my family, um, we're very disconnected in multiple ways. Um, yeah. They don't agree with, with what I do. Um, and back then they looked at it as, you know, do you really want to do this? You know, you're getting in trouble. And, you know, when they started getting letters about downloading copyrighted material and, and just bullshit, it's like, you know, they put me in a, in a different situation than let's say my sibling. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I don't think that, I don't think they'll ever understand, like really understand what I do. Um, and so, like I said, we're disconnected. So how, how did your families react to like your path to where you're at now? And uh, how are they involved with you like today? Uh, you wanna go ahead, Ghost? Sure. Um, well, if you listen to 
my Darknet Diaries podcast, you kind of understand that, you know, where my background comes from. A lot of my family are, are very, you know, zealous, you know, religious wise. And I mean, I'm religious too, but um, on a different kind of note than my family, my mom seems to think that ghost exodus, like this persona of mine is like a demon, like driving me. Um, I now understand a little <laughs> better what it is because if you've seen my 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 Twitter feed, this is I I do have multiple personalities. Like it comes out, and you don't know all of it, but I, I mean I do, and that's good enough for all of us. Um, but I don't let my family really know. And one of the, for example, this is if there's ever a um, like if my mom's business undergoes some type of uh, cyber attack. I'm usually the first suspect on the list. In fact, in 2011, when I first, when I went to, to prison, I was sentenced and went to prison, um, her business got hacked into and she immediately assumed it was me and threatened to call the FBI right off the bat. Um, so like, I don't tell them anything anymore, ever. <laughs> exactly. And I'm happy with that. Exactly. I love them, but this is it. <laughs> what about you, Johnny? <laughs> um, I remember, um, I think I told you this story. I showed up on uh, my brother. He, he uh, works in construction. And um, this was just after, I think, payback or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I showed up on his job site. And I'm like, let me borrow a hammer. And he was like, why? And I was like, just give me a fucking hammer, you know? And uh, so I, I put a couple hard drives on the ground. I smashed the shit out of them and threw them in this fucking container. And he was like, what the fuck? He was like, what are you doing, bro? I'm like, nah, never mind, man. I was like, you, you don't even know the half of it, you know. But later on down the road, you know, I kind of told him what the story was and shit. And he was like, you mean like, he's like, those guys with the masks on the fucking news? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, no shit. I was like, it's even deeper than that. If you know, <laughs> he's like, bro, he's like, just don't get in trouble. Um, but my family, you know, like Exodus, they're, they're small. Um, they were very traditional. Um, my mother's Sicilian. Um, so that they'd probably, even if I explained it to them, they probably wouldn't know what the fuck I was talking about, honestly. Yeah. So when I was being investigated by the FBI, I took a thumb drive over to my dad's house and I said, you have got to lock up this thumb drive and you're safe. If something happens mm. to me, this thumb drive has all the information to it. Um, that thumb drive ended up becoming like a FIPS 140 USB with encryption. Um, and I dumped it not too long ago. Mm. Uh, but the biggest thing for me, right? Um, so it's funny, like, so Ghost, you, you, your handle and my handle kind of reflect each other, like the haunted. And I think yeah. we kind of uh, have the same thought when it comes to our personalities, right? So there's a level of, of secrecy and there's a level of um, things that kind of control who we are that comes out every once in a while. And, and it's hard to control that. Um, and there's that dark level that, you know, when I see something on TV or, or I see somebody being mistreated, um, that that haunting or that darkness comes out. And, you know, if you That's get in the way of that, spirit, you know? yeah, if you get in the way of that, it's bad news. Um, but yeah. I think like, that's so, something we all had, though, you know, because yeah. um, I think we were all motivated by world events. Um, you know, yeah. for me, especially, I mean, and people that know me know, you know, I, if I got involved, you know, this fucking, uh, it was going down. Um, 
whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the secrecy. So that's another thing I want to touch on. So as hackers and, and you know, being involved with different groups and, and mm -hmm. working in the shadows and, and kind of like not trusting people around you. Um, mm, yeah. I find that bleeds off into like my personal life sometimes where I go back to that mode of thinking of, do I really trust this person? Can I tell them everything about me? Um, right. Do I want to expose myself like that? Um, and I think that goes back to my days in anonymous where we had to worry about CIs. We had to worry about plants. We had to worry about just right. crazy shit and FBI sitting outside of our door. Um, and what people don't understand is, what you see in the movies, right? The FBI, like sitting outside and like making it evident that they're there. That shit's for real. Like that, that I'm sure, <laughs> right. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody can attest to that. Like they make themselves evident that, you know, hey, we're here. I remember one time I was on Twitter and this is funny. Um, you know, I forgot what I did, but um, somebody fucking kept trying to tag the, you know, the DOD and the fucking FBI and everybody on my thread, you know, to say I was the DNC hacker. I'm like, don't even fucking go there, man. I'm like, I'm like, kept staring at my door like, oh, no, I'm like, it's coming, you know, and it never came. But it's still, you know, it's shit like that. You know, people try to, you know, get even with you, you know, because they don't like you. Yeah, there's actually a guy in here um, earlier. His his handle was Van Man, and when I saw that, it took me back to the days of old. Van Man, yeah, <laughs> being banned. <laughs> right. Um, so, like, Exus, talk to me about the parent, the level of paranoia during your investigation, because I know what mine was like. Well, you'd. It's difficult for me to articulate this because. I initially wasn't paranoid because I, I knew they were listening to my jail phone calls and knew that they were screening my mail, but I did not give two fucks. Um, that was just my mindset at the time. The paranoia came after all these experiences had, had accumulated and I'd done my time and I, you know, I left prison, but you see, like I, I knew what they were capable of based on my experiences with them and where their limitations lie. And so like, if I wanted to, to, to get messages out to my contact in the ETA, I would, sometimes I would, I would write it on a piece of rice paper in tiny print and fold it up into a little square and stick it beneath the, um, the stamp on the envelope, or I would take a, a five by seven, you know, or four by seven, you know, um, photograph and, and, you know, pull it apart and hide it inside and glue it back together with, with the, with the adhesive on an envelope and, and mail them out that way to get messages. And they never caught those messages, but, um, but I just, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't experience the par paranoia until I entered the realm of the unknown, which was I'm out of prison. Are they still watching me? Yeah, that's that dude. That's the hardest part, right? So after the yes. and I got back to the U.S. like three or four months ago, it's like you know <laughs> I'm always looking on my shoulder, like you know who's you know monitoring or who's joining our podcast or who's adding me on Twitter because yes. it's like I don't trust anybody. And literally, there's there's been a few people who've experienced that distrust, right? So they they join us or whatever. And yes. I do full on onslaught of OSINT. And I'll be like, you know, I know this, I know this, I know this. Who are you? And I'm like, you know, I don't pose a threat. And I'm like, yeah, but everybody poses a threat at a certain level, you know. Um, but I, you have to be like uber vigilant. And people don't understand that. Like, 
just as like normal everyday citizens have to worry about, you know, getting their bank accounts broken into or whatever, our level's a little bit different where we know people are watching and we know people listen and we know that they just wait for a moment that they can take advantage. Um, and it sounds completely insane and paranoid, but you're not paranoid if you know that people are listening and you can prove it. Right. Well, to that. <laughs> you know, especially you know, like, go ahead, Exus. Both. All right. You, you know that I went on the run twice. Like I was fugitive status twice. That and shit was epic, times, by the way. Both times. <laughs> you have no freaking idea, dude. Dude, both times I was, I was totally not paranoid. Like my friend and I penetrated, uh, what was it? Uh, customs and, and uh, border security in broad daylight in um, at uh, Date Island in, in Miami. Like cameras are all over the place. We're walking down freaking train tracks. We're walking right past like guards checkpoints and like we're just i'm knowing at some point i'm gonna get arrested but i don't care when just let me get past this checkpoint but um you know Dade island is completely like crawling with law enforcement um but uh like this was exciting like it was a thrill like but like compare you know comparing that to you know you know post uh post prison post prison has has the worst paranoia possible yeah, yeah. for me yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's the uh, fear of going back through the same bullshit that we've been through. Um, yes, my my yeah. journey is nothing like yours, right? So I didn't have to do I didn't have to do prison time, but being a prisoner in your own home and being rejected your in your own country is really fucked. Like I, I can't explain that feeling of you know when you go to you know go to get on a, on a plane or, or try to get a passport and they said no, your shit's been revoked, dude. You're in another country. Like that that shit's real, but. T- tell them where you were trying to go because that shit's <laughs> fucking epic too. <laughs> All right, look. Let me go. Oh, go again. Oh. <laughs> Here it comes. Get ready. Okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but in my head it does. Um, so, I I needed to get to Israel, and I didn't I didn't want to fly there because. Oh, why? Why? Why did you have to go to Israel? Because I wanted oh, to. I just wanted to. Um, <laughs> Like I, I've always wanted an Israeli, um, you know, citizenship, and mm. I didn't at the time. I didn't want to go through an Orthodox conversion because they're really picky, yeah. and and if I flew there directly, they have the right to send you back if they think you're there for religious purposes. And my friend and I were there for religious purposes, right. for religious purposes, and so we did a little research, right? And we discovered that the easiest way to leave the country is by um, cargo ship. Like, this is the way to do it. Um, so we found the right company. It's the CM, the CMACGM. They're the biggest freight shipping company in the world, and they're super dirty. Like, um, like they've been busted for illegal trafficking of ivory and, and weapons to, like, uh, Russia and a disassembled tank to North Korea. It's like, these are our guys, dude. Totally. Okay. Not only that, but we found out, check this out, we found out that this particular ship that we were tracking disabled their AIS uh, tracking system. Beacon. Yeah, the beacon. beacon. So we know, hey, they're doing something illegal. They're not going to have a problem at all. And so that's when we, we, we kind of, I hate to use the word break in because it's like there's a locked door, but when there's that many cops present in broad daylight and you walk right through the middle of a gauntlet of cops, like that's kind of like breaking in. So we broke in and it got to the point where 
there was even a, a shipyard worker who picked us up and took us to the ship we wanted to get to. Um, and um, so traveling to, to where we needed to go, like this was an English ship, English ship, yes, headed for Spain, but ain't nobody going to where we're going. So we had to go through Nigeria. So we're going to Nigeria, okay? And we're like, hey, we got some friends in Nigeria and none of them are scammers. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we convinced the, the, the captain of, the, of, of this ship to take us to Nigeria. He had no problem. And I told him we were privy to the fact that they had disabled their AIS tracking beacon. And uh, let's see, I spoke with a... Um, with an Israeli accent. So I posed as an American Israeli and trying to look like I probably didn't even belong here at all. Just take us where we needed to go and we'll cut you in a deal for ivory. And they said, yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. Except that we didn't have $1,200 ahead. And so we were waiting for the next ship, but it was about money to them. So that shit was epic. When I heard that story, when you told me that story, I was like, dude, that is so awesome. Like, yeah. I, I have never thought about cargo ships, although I thought about <laughs> yachting and, and personal, like private jets and shit, but never cargo ships. But that's, that's pretty, that's pretty epic, man. That's creative. It was fun. But so there's another part of your story that really caught my attention too, is the, the, the state park system. That shit was so awesome. When you told me about the drones, dude, oh, you have to tell that. You have to say it. For All right. So the second time I, I went on the run, so the, the prison gave me like 50 bucks or something just, you know, for taxi fares and bus travel. So I take the 50 bucks and run or whatever. And my first, my first stage is Cedar Hill State Park. And I, uh, Stayed there for a week. I didn't have anything other than my clothes and some food that I brought from prison and a trash bag to cover my stuff up when it rained. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. I almost gave up at that point. But the Cedar Hills, um, I alluded to my wife at the time, who I'm not a wife anymore, um, that I was near a large body of water. She, well, there's only one place where that is, and that's Cedar Hill State Park. She told my mother, who told my PO, and my PO told state park officials. And so they were looking for me for the better part of a week with a fucking drone. Like, listen, man, like, you know those those wines, those buzzy-ass <laughs> wines, those drones flying overhead for, for hours, just for about a week looking for me. I have never been so freaking scared in my life because back in my day, we didn't have drones. We had remote control airplanes and helicopters. So now we've got drones and they were looking for me. Excuse me. And uh, I knocked over my, my little wooden hut uh, with, my, with my little reed mattress. I just covered it all up and I ran into the forest and, and hid and stayed in there for a little while. I'm telling you, I, that had me bugged out. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, so yeah. when you told me about that shit, I was like trying to envision it in my head, like what would it be like to be hiding in the woods from a drone? Um, but mm. while you were in prison, so like we developed like new tools, right? To knock drones out of the sky with RF and, and you know, 2.4 yes. gigahertz and shit. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning that story going, <laughs> okay, I can sit in the Yagi antenna and just drop their shit one at a time. Um, 
but yeah, dude, your store is amazing. Like, um, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of different stories. I've been involved with, with different people that have, you know, gone down, you know, the path of prison or whatever and been on a run, but your shit is so creative, dude. Like your brain mimics the way that, that I would think, um, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, like, so looking at now and how much they can track us, right? So a lot of CIA tools are released to the public. Um, you look at Weeping Angel, how they hacked into uh, smart TVs and activated microphones and cameras by, but they have to have physical access with USB. Um, and a lot of this just being leaked. Um, so you get like a really good picture of the type of surveillance that, that the government does. And when I was telling people that, yo, you know, I know they're on my internet. I know they're on my home connection because they're repeating shit that only I would say to somebody else on, in another country. And how is it when I show up to an FBI meeting and they bring a translator for Russian, if they didn't know I was already communicating with Russians, you know? And so, you know, I was talking to my mom not too long ago and she's like, you know, do you remember the phone calls you were making to Russia? And I'm like, yeah, was that not like a red flag? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to say, um, I wonder why my son is like communicating from Midwest, you know, America to Moscow. That's um, a phone call. Yeah, well, yeah, sort of. Uh, we won't go into that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, we're, we're built to survive, right? Whether it be on the internet, whether it be in person, we have that, that, that mindset to like kick on the creativeness and figure out how to get by. Um, and that's one thing that I went through in the UK was, you know, what do I do? You know, I, I don't have a passport. I can't work. Um, I got to find a way to live. Right. So I started public speaking and I had a family over there that, that really looked after me. Um, a Vietnamese family that, that, you know, they're, they're basically like my family. I look at them like my parents. Um, but you learn how to get by and you learn how to continue doing what you're doing and it doesn't stop you. Right. Um, and then once everything's said and done, you have just that much more experience to pass on to the next guy, right? But yeah, so from here, like from the time I started this group or this podcast, um, it, it was a podcast built over a glass of bourbon and me and my roommate, Nomad, was like, maybe we should do a podcast. Sounds kind of cool. Let's, let's try it out. I totally expected it not to succeed. I, I totally expected it to completely fail. Nobody logged in, but that's my mindset. You know, I, I'm always like my worst critic, right? Um, and then it seemed like a lot of people, the same, the same uh, ideas and, and principles kind of like came together. But what kills me is like, so Johnny Five shows up. Johnny Five shows up, then Exit shows up. Exit shows up, and then all of a sudden, Alberto shows up. You know, and it's like, it's that whole, like, uh, I guess, tension on the internet and people just want to belong to something to give back, not only to give back, but to find people that they, their tribe. And that's what I consider this is like, when you look at different groups on the internet, we always found our tribe, uh, people that were like us and, and, you know, that's, that's how we roll. Um, and then people just tend to follow that, but it's kind of scary, right? So, you know, you, you start mm. building friendships and all of a sudden those friendships become like a community. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, like there's been times this week where I get so frustrated uh, because I have so many people pulling me in different directions where I literally told a company in Germany that, you know, hey, look, I can't do this. You know, you, you guys are way too much. Call me at 6 a.m., done. Um, 
but I think, I think it's important to like spread like the idea and help people and like really, you know, get that knowledge trickled down to even like the kids level, because there are kids nowadays, 11 years old, 10 years old that can do shit that we couldn't do 10 years ago. And it's fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, like, you know, we donate a lot of money and, and time to those kids. Like we had one on here that's like 11 years old and we bought him some server time and, and some equipment and shit. Um, but that, that's kind of what we're about now. Although I have my own ideas as to where this will probably end up. Um, and I'm probably sure that you guys do too. Uh, but we'll just Actually, have to that's made a good point. You know, like you, you don't have to, um, you know, steal money to be um, elite uh, i can assure you i never took a nickel but um i was a force to be reckoned with <laughs> there was yeah. no talk well, about it um, still <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean but dude so so money money doesn't mean anything right it so didn't you, drive me yeah. no if, if you don't have the money it doesn't matter because it's a knowledge it's worth money that's where the real right. power is at is a knowledge and if we can take what we know, so I post like tons of videos on YouTube. I've made a commitment to at least post a video a day of a walkthrough of some sort of hack, no matter how basic or how advanced, um, put that shit out there and share yeah. that knowledge because the government right now is like trying to shut that shit down. YouTube. Oh my God. I've so battled with YouTube over the past week. I'll post a video. And if I say crack in the description, shit gets shut down. I'm like, yeah. Are you are you serious? Yeah. Like I can't like do like security walkthroughs because you consider it a threat. Uh, so fucking algorithm now, you know they. That's why I told you name it kung fu. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did, uh, and it passed. But it, it's the whole thing about censorship, right? The government doesn't want people yeah. to spread knowledge and give people the ability that we have, um, mm. and they're afraid of that. You know, people are always afraid of without the knowledge. What's that? How do you threat without that knowledge? You know. How how are we a threat without the knowledge? But how how do you how can you stop bad actors without that knowledge? Like how, like you can't you can't yes. right. So most of the companies I've been hired to is because I have knowledge of offensive and defensive. Um, you can't be a defensive like position within a company for security if you don't know what the hell is going on. If you look at an IDS and say, oh well, it looks like you know there's shell code going across. Well, what created that alert and why did it happen? How do you stop it? They don't know how it's created. They don't know the attack, so they don't know what to do about it. So they freeze up and they're like, oh, shit, we're screwed. Uh, but you need people like us that, that can be like, yo, I know that attack. I know that shell code. I know that signature. And this is how you do it. And this is how you stop it. Um, yeah, but just still watching traffic isn't like the, that's like you were saying, man. I mean, if if all you're relying on is like scene tools or something like that, like you're not going to stop me, man. No, no. And, and I can throw up so many decoys. <laughs> so I attacked this one place back when I was doing nefarious shit and I threw in a bunch of decoys, right. Of their own internal mm -hmm. network. They were blocking their own shit for like two hours, like shutting their own network down. And I was watching it like live. I was like, are, are mm -hmm. you really serious? Like you don't understand like decoy attacks. Like, you know, but there's a lot of companies who don't because they hire people who can pass a background check, who can get a security clearance and that's all they know. They know what they're taught. That's it. I'm so I'd be surprised if I got a security clearance. I will never get another security clearance. I don't think they would even let me to take the polygraph. 
Right. Yeah, I don't know if I can pass it. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm going to open up questions for everybody. Um, if you want to put it in the chat for me, Exodus, or Johnny Five, feel free. Um, and I'll let Ryan moderate the questions as far as, you know, who gets what. Let's open up. Any questions? Hmm. Stunning silence. Inquisitive yeah, bunch, aren't you? Come on, guys. <laughs> it's, always, it's always silent at first, and then somebody breaks the ice. Um, but also, right. after we get done with the q and I'm going to walk through um, some basic, like, Wi-Fi hacking shit. Um, I don't know, uh, Johnny Five. Do you have like? Uh, did you put together anything for Hashcat or whatever? Um, I've seen you do a video, okay. so I, I didn't even bother. I, okay, I'm, I'm going to play. It. I'm going to share the video and play it, and um, yeah, walk walk people through it. Um, well, why don't we run through that while people get some uh, some questions together, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Let me bring it up really quick. <laughs> There's a question for Johnny. What's yeah. that? <laughs> Do you see the question, Johnny, or do you want me to ask it? Um, I'm far away. Uh, did, uh, didn't you help with a group on digging into FaceApp, the digging of FaceApp? Um, I work with a group called uh, Annie Info, and um, we, um, yeah, we, we went after, uh, I mean, everybody. <laughs> um, Gab was one of them, FaceApp, yes. So, um, yeah, I get I always made that joke too because uh, Gab was like Gab only followed like 102 people, right? And I was one of them, and it was just to keep track of my ass to make sure I wasn't fucking their shit up. Because uh, when they first launched, you know, um, we just wasn't a sense of like uh, censorship or anything like that. It, what it was for me, at least, was. You know, I understand you want people there to have free speech and stuff like that, but when it spills into the street, you know, like blood-wise, you know, we had issue with that. Anonymous and, and other groups, you know, were, in my view, um, the great equalizer. Um, you know, we didn't care what your political party was or, you know, what you were about. We were your political party. Right. Hey, so um, what, what advice would you give to youngsters like tempted to go down the route of doing, uh, down the illegal route, no pun intended? Huh. Um, I would say if your curiosity gets the best of you, um, you know, that's what it was for me. Um, you know, I, I um, believed in what I was doing was right. And and not only that, you know, um, the, my black hat days, I would say, you know, where, where I was, you know, throwing around malware and stuff like that, you know, even still, um, all I did was, you know, if anything, open the command prompt 30 times, <laughs> you know, so I never really intended to like uh, destroy shit. Um, some of the issues I have. Um, so I would give the advice of the old hacker mentality. We, we, you know, we never attacked hospitals. You know, we, we didn't lick up schools or, or anything like that. You know, so I would just suggest, you know, whatever you, whichever route you go, just, you know, just keep keep your head level, you know. Don't do not do nothing stupid that you know is going to hurt somebody, um, you know, because this is 
it's just not worth it. You know, you end up going to jail for something retarded. And it's just not how, hey, how real hackers think. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, since your return to normality, how have you acclimatized to new tech and hacking methodologies? Oh, man. Oh, let me take a look. Um, it's been slow for me, mainly because of my demanding work schedule. Um, my main thing was just getting back on Linux and just trying to to um, be a functional user at Linux. And I've, that's, that's over and done with. Um, for me, it's been a lack of time um, because I'm coming out of prison. It's only been a year now from the ground up with no help uh, and, and no resources that I have been aware of. So everything that I've been learning um, has been from my friends. Uh, wireless penetration is different nowadays than it was for me back then, because back then uh, we weren't, you know, we weren't, weren't contending against uh, encrypted HTTPS. So data packets were in a readable format back then. Um, and most people, the like, industry standard was uh, WEP. Nobody uses that anymore. Nobody uses WEP. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, Metasploit has made some changes. It's, it's not really different, but I've been learning a little bit more about that. Um, but um, my main thing, my, my sole focus right now is, is blind uh, script uh, injection. So that's what I'm focusing all my energy on right now and literally nothing else. What else we got now? Hey, Johnny, um, yeah. are you, you ready to go, Mike? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Answer those questions and I'll start the video here in a minute. Yeah, I see one uh, in there for that. Sean Van wants to know what you're doing now for employment. What, how do you keep yourself busy? Um, so during last year um, when I made the decision to walk away from like, you know, activism and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I run a few websites and stuff like that. So, you know, um, you know, in the in the beginning of the year you know i started doing contracts and working with a couple of um firms that work in cybersecurity, and they would hire me um you know basically as a black hat gray hat hacker you know they they didn't give a shit. they they and that was for government level entities and stuff like that so you know it was basically like slam the door give me a report <laughs> Um, so that's what I've been trying to focus on, um, you know, post hacktivism and hacking. I, you know, I look to move more forward into InfoSec and, and, and stay in the industry. Um, you know, I, I worked in, in more of a blue team role when, when I was an IT manager. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of a transition for me um, because people always ask me, you know, like, why, why haven't you like, you know, got so far in? It's like, all right, like, I already live a double life. Like, I couldn't live a triple life, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, so I, I just feel like, you know, now is the time. And, and, and you know, I got in my mid-30s, and you just kind of feel like, man, I'm old now, you know? Like, let the kids take care of it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go be, uh, uh, you know, what they call an old tag, right? <laughs> so there's another question too about, you know, what about your past keeps you up at night? And I can honestly say that a hundred percent of it keeps me up at night. Um, yeah. Trying to um, figure out what's happening tomorrow, 
um, who's working for who, uh, why are people approaching me in a certain way? Um, it, it gives you a different outlook on people and the world in general. Um, because I, I don't I think, I don't think that people understand that the level of like psyops the FBI and different investigators do like, they really mm-hmm. fuck with your head and it takes you a very long time to get past that shit. Um, so I still have dreams or, or, or thoughts about what happened before and, and what's going on now. And if I can trust so-and-so or people's motivations. So I know that's probably the same for, for Patrick and, and Exodus. Yeah, I, I literally came up in the hacking community with a zero trust level. Um, I was lucky to have the same hacker handle like the next week. Um, and then I, I think that's part of my how I <laughs> was successful in, in, in lasting as long as I did. Um, you know, Johnny Five just kind of stuck. And, and, and I, I noticed that over the last couple few years, you know, I was thinking to myself, like some, I was talking to a friend, you know, and, and she mentioned, she was like, you know, maybe you should walk when you still can walk. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. What about you, Exus? I, I always repeat this mantra. It's, it's not my fight anymore. It's not my fight anymore. And somehow I, I still get sucked up into it. I have friends who will get hit by a scammer and I'll find out who that scammer is. Yeah. And I keep telling myself, like there's a new generation now. I don't have anything to do with this, but I always find some way to get sucked back up. I can't let it go sometimes. Yeah, me too. Um, Wayne asks, what is your view of the dark web? Opportunity, threat, or both? I think it depends on which way you look at it, right? So I kind of wear a gray hat, kind of dance between white and black, and, and you know, I try not to do anything illegal, but mm-hmm. it's both. It provides me, you know, a place to work because I do intelligence, um, makes me money, but it's also a threat because the more more time I spend there, um, and I'm sure that that Johnny Five and Exus can agree that there's always that fine line of temptation where at any one point you could be like, you could flip that switch. That switch is always there, and yeah. and it, it, it's like. I can't even explain it. You know, normal people, I don't think would understand it. Um, But it's always that temptation of, you know, do I go back to doing what I was doing because I'm comfortable with it and it's who I am? Or do I play along and, and contain myself? Um, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's hard to explain like computer hacking to people. Like I try to show people like what I do, you know, and stuff like that on my laptop and like, they don't even like get like how I'm able to like hacking, hack into shit, you know? And like, I never touch a graphical interface, you know? So everything's through the (laughs) command line and, (laughs) and they're looking at it like, like, what the fuck are you even doing? And then I'll like show them the website, you know, like, look, you know, like I'll deface it and then I'll show you, you know? And they're like, Oh, you know, you really deface that. And I was like, yeah, like all I did was replace the index file. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit different when it comes to that because I see the, the opportunity. Like, so I'll scan a whole yeah. entire country's net block and find all the shit, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like Syria, when I found their, their atomic energy email, um, you know, looking at that and going, hmm, you know, I, wow. I know that I can get in there. I know that I can, can get some really good info, but how much time is it going to take by the time I get in there? Will they knock on my door and throw me in a black van? You know, so it's, it's those things that you have to weigh out. But to be honest with you, it's one of those things that, that 
really like grips me inside. Like I have to like really fight that shit. Um, it's curiosity had, kills the cat. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've got Interpol. Nine lives. Yeah, I I, I've used up I've used up nine and a half. I don't know how many I have left. Um, yeah, about seven of mine gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's that temptation. That temptation is yeah. always there, just like with anybody, like normal people, right? The temptation of doing something wrong is always there, but it's how you look at it and the way you look back, right? So there's times where I really hate the government and I really want to go do what I did before. But then I realize what I went through and do I really want to go through that shit again? You know, it, it's kind of, it was brutal. It's kind of vague, you know, because it's like it's a hefty price to pay. We fucking yeah. smacked up the government, you know, but it's like on the other sense, it's like, OK, well, why are we doing that? Then? You know what I mean? They never look at the why. They're just like, oh, well, you, you're fucking up our website. And it's just like, okay, well, why? <laughs> Let's so, look at that. So uh, in, in answer to Sean Van, he was asking about um, giving the podcast some airtime. Absolutely. You can advertise this on LinkedIn. It'll be on TechStrong TV as well. Um, one other thing. So Michael Finley says normal people only know GUI. Well, then I guess I'm an alien because I never did GUI interfaces. Um, so Man, pe people getting into the industry and like trying to learn security tools, you'll learn really quick that, okay, pull up uh, Wireshark GUI and see how fast it crashes as opposed to running TCP dump from command line. Um, perfect example. Uh, yeah, with TCP dump, you know, you could just, you know, right into a text file and cat it out and see yeah. what happens. <laughs> it's so easy for hackers to do that, you know, like whereas everybody's trying to, you know, use something that they're comfortable and colorful, you know, that's so, what you got to stay away from. So Kristen's Chris asking about mental health aspects of all of what we go through. Um, that's a brutal one, right? So uh, our industry already has mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Like I just recently lost a friend to suicide. Um, in Austin, um, who I, dude, I literally talked to him a week before he took his life and there was no indications whatsoever. But again, you know, just like the name haunted hacker and, and, and ghost or whatever, there's things we all battle with on a personal level that the, I, I would say like 90% of us that, that do what we do have a hard time communicating that part of our psyche to people. Um, we tend to keep that kind of closed off and, and deal with it on our own level. Um, I talked to Chris Roberts not too long ago about the same issue. We had the same, the guy who committed suicide was a mutual friend. Um, and it's weird because like a lot of us have like really high IQs and, and, and we, you know, we're very intelligent. Was it 197? Yeah. But, but, okay. but we, but we, but we have like a really difficult issue, like communicating on, <laughs> I guess an emotional human level. Um, so we've lost a lot of people like Aaron Schwartz. That was a huge loss to our industry. Like that was big. Um, and there's, there's several others, but when you get to a certain level where, especially like when you've gone through investigations, when you've been pressured by law enforcement or government, um, there's a certain amount of information you don't tell anybody. Um, yeah. and that's kind of internal and you, and you fight with that every day. Um, yeah, that's, it's a, I think, um, that's so the way I battled that was, um, 
you know, it, it's 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 like you said, it's it's very hard for um, computer hackers because uh, one thing that it was another thing that pushed me away to to get out of hacktivism was was the mental health aspect of it. Um, you get so lost up in what you're doing, and you know, while whatever you think and believe in whatever you're doing. You end up spending every day, every day, every day, you know, you go to work and then you come home and then that's the first thing you do. You're logging into IRC channels and oh, you're yeah. talking to your friends and then you're trying to get after targets and and that's your life, you know, and then before you know it, you know, you're, you're just like, shit, you know, like I'm 36. Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, maybe I maybe I should go like travel or something like 36. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I, know, I was right? 36 again. <laughs> Um, ah. But yeah, like, so, and that, that brings up another point. I know it's not a question, but sure. being pulled in different directions, right? So that's yeah. one of my frustrations. Like, I, I don't know how to, like, say no, um, because I want to, like, help everybody. I want to, like, you know, fulfill yeah. whatever they want. But dude, like, sometimes I have to sit back and go, where, where am I in all this shit? You know, like, mm. do I get, do I get my time? Do, do I get what I want? Or am I just like, you know, I put, I like punish myself because of what happened and like, feel like I have to shit for everybody. Um, and that's a very fine line. That's a huge fine line. Yeah. It's, it's rough for, for people who go through mental health. Like that's something that like, I was always a big advocate of that. You know, when, even when I was a hacktivist, uh, I would retweet it all the time because it, it just, People have to realize that, you know, when you isolate yourself like that and you get into into hacktivism, hacking, it, it can be problematic. Well, um, and, and not only that, but people like us that have, you know, an ability that most people don't have and, and our brains work differently. We spend yeah. a lot of time in our head. Um, yeah, I can, I can, problem. <laughs> I think I can probably, I think I could probably speak for most of us is that we spend probably 90% in our head. Um, right whether working out problems or fighting demons. Um, and when people yeah. say, you know, what's on your mind? I'm like, fuck, how much time you got? You know, where do I start? No, right. <laughs> Where's my chair? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so another question earlier, what am I drinking? Um, so my go-to drink is uh, Fireball, Evan Williams, and a Cinnamon Jolly Rancher. So that's my Ooh. go-to. Yeah. I was um, gonna get some liquor, but be right back. All right, man, we got you. Um, so Sean Van says your stories are incredible. Would you love to see? We'd love to see all you regain your place in society. Um, I'm doing my part to ensure healthcare embraces your skills. So yeah, so healthcare is really important. Um, they're a major target right now, especially with the pandemic. Uh, I that We I, yeah. I never tolerated that as a hacker. Like. Uh, that's not how we roll now. I think the first confirmed death or kill was this year with, or last year with a healthcare attacker hit um, a hospital, shut down their systems and someone on life support died. Um, yeah. So that was like the first confirmed hacking kill, direct kill from a compromise. Oh man, I, I couldn't imagine that when I was like 16 years old, but I, we just didn't see it that way. That That's not, no, that's no. not. So I, I have, I have an embedded uh, medical device in my chest that, that really like keeps me alive. Um, mm -hmm. 
and getting the company Medtronic to understand that I don't want Bluetooth enabled on my pacemaker was like a fucking nightmare. Um, They were like, well, you know, we need to communicate. And I'm like, no, we, we, we don't need to communicate. Like as long as this shit is doing its job, I don't need anybody (laughs) getting access to my pacemaker in my chest. Like, no, 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 thank you. Um, But I think the more that we progress as society and science, more of these uh, life-changing devices are going to be implanted. And it's not a good outlook when you look at like the state. I think that hackers, yeah, I think that hackers like us, you know, and stuff like that. Um, There was this uh, Cyber 19 community or something. I think, uh, what is it? Mr. Reboot Dan or something. Dan, oh, D- Daniel Card. Daniel Card is yeah, a good friend. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Card. Yeah, yeah. And I knew him as a hacktivist, but he mm-hmm. sees me on Twitter now, and I, I, you know, I have a personal profile. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, good but dude. The other Johnny Five. You know, he knew yeah. who the fuck I was. So, um, uh, Kaylee asked about Elon Musk Neuralink since we're talking about medical devices. Um, uh, so Neuralink, right? Um, mm. I don't think it's what it is supposed to be. I think he put that shit together to make money for SpaceX. I don't think Neuralink will ever be a thing. Um, the military worked with RFID and sensors in the uniforms to look at body temperature, heart rate, um, stuff like that to report back to see which you know which troop is is having a having a hard time or like maybe on the brink of dying or whatever, but Neuralink um, can be really ethically dangerous. Um, if that happens, if it gets put into play, um, hackers around the world are going to be blowing shit up because Neuralink is like really dangerous. And I think we're on the, yeah, yeah. So I think we're on the edge of like some really scary shit as far as like robots, AI, um, machine learning, we watched, so me and uh, Nomad watched a video on a robot from Boston Electronic, I think it was, um, where they were like teaching these robots to like walk and stabilize. And yeah, some of it was like Hollywood, but it made you think like, you look back at the matrix and, and the machines taking over and whatever, you combine AI with some of this, you know, robo- robotics, it's going to get bad. Um, well, that's what uh, is going to make um, hackers more resourceful, right? I mean, what fucking movie that you ever seen about the end of days where a hacker doesn't come in and, you know, what is it? Uh, Independence Day, shit like that, you know? Yeah, uh, well, like that one uh, Bruce Willis when they brought in the hacker to, like, help out with the skater shit. I mean, that's for real. Right? Oh, that's, yeah. That's what you yeah. Matthew uh, Farrell, man. Everybody knows Matthew. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> commercials. <laughs> I know. What was that song uh, by Flyleaf and shit? You know, I always listen to. I, I thought that was cool, you know, because I'm like, he, they even had him listening to hacker music when they fucking um, showed that. Yeah. It was pretty funny. All right, so I'm gonna break away and put on this video. Um, I posted the link to the video. It, there's some background noise. I don't know who's not muted, but um, not me. <laughs> oh, it's okay, Exus. I'll, 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 I got it. I got it. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna go over. I posted. I posted the link on the chat um, for the Kung Fu WPA two. Um, 
let me uh, back this up a little bit. If you guys want to bring it up, and I'm going to share my screen, we'll try that. I'll be right back. Yeah, we'll try that and see if it works. Uh, I'm going to stop that share and start another one. All right, portion of the screen, uh, I guess, maybe. We'll see. Oh, pretty. No, not pretty. Not the right one. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I really don't like Zoom, to be honest with you. I would really love to get away from this platform. Uh, okay, desktop two. There we go. Okay, we're good. All right. So, can you guys see my screen? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, the the graphics are like a little bit bad because it's from YouTube. But what I'm doing here is I'm looking at um, a WPA2 protected router, uh, and I'm going to pop up um, AeroDump to look at all the access points and figure out which one I, I want to target. Um, and then I'm going to go after the handshake. So the handshake is really important. Uh, and you can, do, you can do this one of two ways, right? You can sit and wait for somebody to attach to the access point and get that, that handshake for the password or the hash, or you can use MDK3 or MDK4 and bump them, you know, bump a, a, a client off of the access point and force them to reconnect. With this one, I'm just literally doing it passively because you don't want to cause too many like alarms or, or raise red flags. So I'm going to play the video. I'm going to talk over the video while it's going on. Hopefully the volume and the music in the background is not going to like hamper anything. So, all right, I'm looking for the access point um, and we're going to find it here shortly. So we found that gear. And I look at the Netgear and I specifically sniff that BSSID and I grab another device and I associate with that access point. And there you see the handshake, right? Hopefully that's clear. Um, so I save that file and I run it through Aircrack um, with the BSSID and the password. And literally within like seconds, um, we find the WPA2 password. Uh, so one thing I need to let you know is that I'd already added in the password to that access point. Um, but you can get like dictionary files of like thousands or millions of passwords. Um, and that, that helps, but you know, there's other ways to do it. I'm not going to go into the more malicious ways. That's you can see like the WPA2, the hash is what's most important. Um, and be able to get that. You can also set up like an evil access point or evil twin to get people to attach to your um, access point. And the way you do that is you use like MDK three or four and DOS the like legit access point and force people to connect to yours. Uh, and that way you can grab the password because it's, it's, it's cached and run that shit like legit. Or you can just let them connect your your access, your evil access point and sniff their traffic. Doesn't matter. Um, but what I do is I when I like hack an access point or any device, I take that password and I load it into my password list. Um, I use rocku.txt as a base for those passwords because it's like a ton of them. But then you can also use like polymorphic um, password lists. 
that take a password and like kind of mutate it against uh, like least speak and, and different forms of uh, variations. Um, and also rainbow tables is really good. So back in the day when I did like say it, like Wi-Fi, VoIP, um, interception of voice communications, RF, that was my shit, right? So with this type of attack, you're looking at kind of the same methodology. You know, you're wanting to grab that signal, but you're trying to find it without raising red flags and, and setting off all kinds of uh, alerts. Um, so yeah, like try to uh, set up a, a router, a Wi-Fi router, um, use like a weak password just to start out with um, and bump somebody and collect that, that handshake. The handshake is key. Uh, and what happens is like, so they use packets that are called IV packets, right? And the IV packets actually indicate like, you know, hey, this is, a, this is a combination of a TCP handshake. And it says, hey, look, um, I'm trying to associate with this access point, And here's what I know about this access point. Um, and so that's passed within, you know, the Wi-Fi, the, the 802.11. And you can intercept that and get all kinds of information. Um, there's also another thing called a Reaver, uh, which takes advantage of WPS. So if you have a, a, an access point that utilizes WPS and, and fits that mold for that vulnerability, you can actually solicit that router for WPS and get the pin number. Um, and then you can like associate without any problem. So th those are just some of the easy Wi-Fi hacks. I didn't want to go into too much depth. Um, I posted a lot of videos on YouTube this week as far as uh, different types of attacks. I'm going to go into encrypting shellcode on YouTube this week um, using different things like jar signer and zip align and stuff like that. Um, one of the videos is already up uh, regarding uh, making APKs and signing them with uh, jar signer, which is really important to get uh, the Google Play Store to like ignore your shit. And so you can like really like infiltrate, infiltrate different phones and stuff. Um, so again, you guys have any questions, post them. I'll explain as far as Wi-Fi goes. I'm sure that Patrick and Exodus can also like put in two cents as far as Wi-Fi. WPA3. <laughs> WPA who? W what? <laughs> uh, what was that uh, meme that was going around when uh, that script crack came out? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the fucking kid was holding the Ethernet cable. He was like, he goes, fuck crack. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, Wi-Fi was like the worst invention ever. Like, I, I don't, you know, it, it was, there was a need for it as far as like operations go and, and people's convenience. But the security was not well thought out at all. No, not even a little bit. Um, so all you have to do is de-auth and... You know, the fucking person connects to your access point. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Pineapples work. I, I was just going to say pineapples work best in that situation. You know? Yeah. So, so Drake, I don't know if he's still on or not, but he sent me a Wi Fi pineapple nano that's USB. Nice. And I've been doing some stuff with that. I love mm -hmm. pineapples, but I think I'm going to pass that on to uh, Exodus and let him play with some pineapple. Um, yeah. that's, that's one of the technologies I know he hasn't seen yet. Um, so it might be good to get your hands on that shit. Uh, Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it won't take you long, man. Like, oh. come on, like I, <laughs> it, it, it ain't been that long. I mean, it, 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 you know, 
he knows he's smiling because he knows it's gonna just take a little bit of time man you'll be all right you know googling right now what is a pineapple what is (laughs) (laughs) it's not the fruit (laughs) so google doesn't know (laughs) so so i've I've taken upon myself to like kind of like help uh exodus out like bring him up to speed with some of the shit um yeah man yeah, so there's a lot of shit that we can do as a community, like help each other out and like send each other like equipment stuff. Um, yeah. I would I would suggest if you guys plan on sending me equipment, give me a, like a two week or three week heads up because the U.S. Postal Service does not like me, and for some reason my shit goes all around the world and not to my mailbox. Like literally, I had a shipment from North Carolina to Alabama, and the shit got stuck in in, in customs. I'm like. Did, did I did I miss something? So I've been in Europe. Like, is North Carolina a different country? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no diplomatic community. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that that's that's one thing that's cool. Um, I don't know, Exodus. I don't know if you've seen rubber duckies or or played with those, but I have a few of those if you want one. What the hell? I had a rubber ducky when I was a kid, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Blame fun, man. yeah. Blame <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna love those. You gotta just plug it, it in. And... You gotta take it in the box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a couple of videos up on YouTube if you want to check those out. There's one that's absolutely uh, yeah, remote power shell through rubber ducky. Nice. Um, yeah, USB. But anyway, Hack Five even has their own uh, C2 server now. You know? Dude, and it's, nice. and it's free, bro. It's free, completely. Free. I love it. Yeah. The only thing. The only thing I worry about with Hack Five um, C two is oh, I, know, I know the connections Hack Five has, and I'm worried about who has eyes into that C two. Mm. Uh, everybody. So there's another solution for that. Don't use their C two, <laughs> but you can code your shit to connect back up to an IRC <laughs> server. So I have I have an IRC server here. So if you guys want to like hook shit up or, or play around with whatever. I can throw that shit into a DMZ and you guys can play with that. That's what's um, up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to host it 24 seven because IRC is like oh. chaos, but um, yeah, we yeah. can use the Tessa. So what other questions do we have? Um, this is your chance. Like you're not going to get this panel probably again yeah. for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What do we got? Uh, hey, <clears throat> let me ask you something. Yeah. Hey, there are many several times I'm trying to simulate a um uh, let's just say this. I'm trying to get into uh this wireless access point that's using WPA2. Mm-hmm. And um I understand the the method the the normal method for for um you know cracking the 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 password, but let me ask you this. How do you how do you uh deploy the attack from your GPU? Well, so the GPU looks at, so if you're using Hashcrack, right, that was one, mm-hmm. another one of the things I was going to cover, um, but I didn't have time to like actually film the video. If, so everything I did was a automated attack of what you can do manually. So you can actually go in and do like, um, there's a tool uh, that you can actually grab the handshake and import that into Hashcrack. Right. Okay. So with Hashcrack, mm-hmm. you're using GPU, which is a graphics uh, gra- graphics driver um, or a unit, and you're using that GPU like memory or whatever to run through different hashes that may match up with that password. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you can do that on your laptop, whatever, but really, to be honest with you, most WPA2 passwords, unless you're dealing with like a big corporation, um, you can bust within Aircrack and a good password list. But the okay. difference, is, difference is when you use Aircrack as opposed to Hashcrack with a GPU. So let's say it's a complex password. You're looking at like four or five days with Aircrack. With Hashcrack, Hashcat, you're looking at like a day. So okay. it's, it's processing power when it comes to using a GPU. Now, so you bring that up. We created a, a thing at Mantech called the Kraken. So <laughs> mythical creature that, you know, attacks ships or whatever. Um, we, we built a thing where we had multiple Raspberry Pis um, that was using like distributed computing and hash, Hashcat. So you run that shit through Hashcat and multiple systems like take bites out of it. Yeah, runs really. That's my fave. Uh, that, nice. Too, okay. Like, yeah. There's also some stuff like like rule, you know, um, you know, using like base base sixty four rules and stuff like yeah. that, and suffix, you know, because you know you can make a word list basically from you know, say you're trying to get into somebody's website or something like that, you know, and you pile on a bunch of different shit from from the website into a word list and then you know run different stuff there's so much shit involved with it yeah no on the wi-fi i think the next video i do besides the encryption of payloads is going to be responder responder is yeah. so effective right so i went oh, to a ho i went to a hotel and launched responder on their wi-fi network <laughs> and i was getting passwords and ntlm hashes from multiple like corporations around the world um, so basically, WPAD, it'll solicit different machines for that response. In that response, you can have NTLM, you can have like browser passwords. There's all kinds of stuff that, that Responder can collect. Um, maybe we'll go yeah, to that Responder next time. Responder is a good tool. Yeah, I, have, I, I have use a, it a lot. Yeah, I have, a, I have Land Turtle. So Land Turtle has Responder built into it. So maybe we'll go over like some land turtle attacks, but really like the people listening and asking questions, what is it you want to see? Um, I'm sure between, you know, the three of us and, and other people on the podcast, we can cover pretty much any attack. Um, just let us know what it is and, and either email me or post it in discord and we'll get on that. Uh, just, this is, just as a note on the discord, we've got a mental health channel is now oh, going back to the, uh, what we we're talking about just before. Badass, yeah. badass. So I know that Cham is working on, um, she's working on becoming a cyber psychologist, right? Um, so we kind of got into it, like looking at a book called, I think it was called Cyber Attack or, or Cyber Something. Um, anyways, it looks at the effects of the mm -hmm. internet on different mm -hmm. personalities and, and how they evolve and what they become. Um, so maybe she can lend some insight into that uh, mental health channel that'd be great man that'd be really yeah. good it would be yeah so and that's that's one of the things i focused on my first speaking tour is called inside the mind of a hacker and i try to trace back what made me who i am and what made me do the things i did and so i learned a lot about myself and a lot about how the internet has affected our generation and even like the younger generations, which is really scary because we've become so disconnected as people and more connected on more of a mental higher level, um, which can be really dangerous if it's used in the wrong way. 
Uh, so, any other questions? Uh, something about uh, attacks, uh, penetrating active directory. Oh. Active directory. Entering again, buddy. Um, I would suggest, um, what do you mean, like um, attacking active directory? Yeah, I think that's what they're talking about. Um, I check out a tool called Bloodhound. Um, Bloodhound's a really good tool to, um, you know, basically prowl around and see where you can escalate your privileges because more than likely when you get on a Windows box, um, you're not going to have administrative rights, obviously. Um, so, you know, when, when you first, that, that's a post-exploit tool. Um, and there's, you know, obviously other means and tools, um, you know, used if you if you're blunt force into uh, active directory you know depending on what you're trying to do there's there's um, so also there's also one that that works against domain controllers right so it solicits sure. like the different groups um so you can see which users have admin or domain admin and then you can mm -hmm. go after those specific devices um i can't remember right. what the name of the tool is but I'll, I'll follow that up and post it into the discord yeah some privilege privilege escalation would be a Good to do some videos on too, man. Yeah, maybe, so, yeah. maybe even a hack and nine course. I don't yeah. know. So that's actually that's actually happening. Um, that was submitted to hack and nine. Um, the course outline's been approved, so they're working on that. Uh, so I should. That's be, cool, man. I should. I've be, seen them retweet our stuff. I was like, I, I mean, I just can't believe hacking nine. I was like almost crying. I was like, oh my god. I was like, our podcast is retweeted by them. Like, that's yeah. so, cool, man. so they approached me, I guess it was about a month ago and said, Hey, look, would yeah. you like to do a course on privilege escalation on Linux and windows? And I said, well, I'll start on windows yeah. and we can do two courses. Uh, so that outline has been submitted, accepted. And before their committee right now, um, I'm just waiting on word to start like the actual development, um, which really shocked me too. When I saw that they were retweeting our podcast, I was like, Whoa, that's like 34,000 followers. Um, I know, right? Yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, they're, they're big stuff for sure, man. I, I definitely, it was it was cool to see, you know, because I mean, like like you and Exodus, you know, we all grew up with those those magazines and 2600 and shit like that, you know. It's, Dude. To see, see the support, you know, you're kind of just like it. Like I said, I almost... It was almost like brought me to tears. I was just like, God damn, it's like hacking mine. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool, man. when I made the book, uh, 2600, um, I think it's called like Dear, Dear Hacker or some shit like that. Yeah. I see. Um, when I made it into that book, I was like, whoa, you know, that's, that's my post. But, you know, it's just weird, you know. And then when you sit <laughs> back and like look at where we've come from with this server, discord server and podcasts and, and everything that's going on with it the australian branch and the logos and the following it's like dude this was just like a small idea like literally over a cup of bourbon with my my roommate nomad and it's become like this like biological like entity that's like growing and to be honest with you it scares the fuck out of me because anonymous did the same thing and we didn't expect it to grow the way it did and so, yeah, I mean, it's sort of the I same. I think one thing that you're doing differently that I've seen, you know, since I, because remember I was kind of uh, talking with other people, you know, and 
I remember that, like you said, that story when you became CISO and stuff like that. And I've seen that article and the thing, and I was still a hacktivist then. And I was thinking like, man, I'm like, look at that. I'm like fucking anonymous <laughs> right on the yeah. front page. Yeah, I'm like, like, he's a CISO, you know, it's like, it, it gave me, I guess as I got older, you know, like uh, uh, a, a way to like, you know, look forward, you know, like, uh, you know, it just, it just helped me, me, um, realize that there there's life after hacktivism and hacking and yeah um, but the the, the thing know. is is like we're not geared for the corporate world um mm. and i've had to learn a, like a lot of hard lessons when it comes to coming from our group to the public right i've had a lot yeah. of people use me for certain things and, and not pay me um just mm. want that that label on their company um yeah. so people who are involved in hacktivism now who may be listening um, you got to be really careful because a lot of people will take advantage of you because they know they can. Because I know that like when you come out of those, those depths and out of those shadows that you want to help people and, and you want to become somebody and they give you this like beautiful package. Oh, we can do this. We can do that. And then they totally screw you. Um, yeah. And it's wrong, you know, and it makes me, it's, when I went through that shit, it was like, do I really want to be on the side of the fence anymore? Because these people don't give a shit about me. So why do I have to play the game? Why can't I go back to like doing what I did? But I realized that no matter what they do, it's not going to stop me from like helping somebody else. So. I think what, like I said, what you're doing, you know, you're bringing pretty much, you know, as far as underground hacker as you can get with, with um, industry leaders, you know, CISOs and, and, and different people that, that lead in the IT industry. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, if, if, the, if the combination happens, you know, it, it, all it does is it, it makes everybody better. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, our perspective on like cyber war and um, I mean, just a number of different things, you know, um, like you were talking about, you know, but actual hacking like it like i said it's a, it's a whole other level when it's done illegally <laughs> it, yeah. it's not the same when when you're paid to do it you know right. because um you know you get a pdf or you submit your report it doesn't work like that on the other side um, guys are really yeah. getting in some shit so you know that's the hard part is conforming right so i do a lot of like legitimate pen tests for large corporations and and I have to look at it from their point of view, but I also give like my commentary. Like if I was an attacker, this is what I would do. And I wouldn't yeah. do it within the scope. Um, but that's, that's the type of thing that they, you know, they thrive on. They want somebody legit who has a, that skill set um, to do the test. Uh, so I, well, fulfill, I fulfill that section and like our team, our group, our crew, like that is who, that's what we do. Like when someone comes in a group, we all contribute and like protect each other. And that's how it is. Um, corporations, they don't give a shit about people, period. Mm, they're um, expendable. Yeah. So they work on a different level as opposed to what we do for each other. Um, but I think the more I talk about it on a public platform about, you know, learn your people be with your people and like learn who they are and trust them and, and get to know them. That shit's important beyond anything else, beyond anything else. I, I think that one thing like that, I've been, you know, learning over the past year, at least, you know, getting to know everybody in the community. It's mm -hmm. just like, man, they're, they're fucking just like me, you know, like, 
Like I meet people like, um, I forget, you know, we were just talking about um, playing the guitar. You know, I can't tell you how many hackers I know play the guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like, man, I'm like, they all got fucking hobbies like me and everything. Like, I'm like, where are these people in my life? <laughs> but but, but like, what's I don't funny, even know a friend that, you know. So what's funny is I did an analysis on people like us and, and, and people that have our skill set. And what I've learned is that what we do is, is an art. It's creativity, right? It's, it's creative. Sure. And we look at things a different way. When I look at a pen test, I don't look at IP addresses. I look at how I'd maneuver through that system graphically in my head, right? So everybody I interviewed for pen testing or my teams have always had some kind of artistic ability, whether it be music, whether it be painting, whether it be drawing, whatever. That's There's true. always some creative aspect to it. Um, and actors are naturally creative, you know. They, they. I've always thought outside the box, you know. When, when my friends were thinking, like I was always thinking of some other shit. <laughs> yeah, like, like what if we try this? You know, it's I don't know. It's just a mindset that. Yeah. And that can't be taught. That's something that can't be taught. And that's why I explain to people, yeah. like, especially on my first tour, like hackers, you know, inside the mind of hackers, that there are certain things that I can teach people and I can make them effective, at like breaking, you know, whatever service or whatever using shell code, but I can't teach them to be creative. I can't teach them, you know, to be able to put themselves into a different view of what's going on and maneuver a system and it sounds really lame right so the matrix the movie <laughs> really lame and and they go through like the matrix in this visual sequence and and they see buildings and, and binary and whatever but to be honest with you that's legit like so when i think of I like it was cool yeah so <laughs> when, when i think of servers and i think of like a network infrastructure i look at myself going through different parts of the network and like where do i go from here it's like a maze right but when you look at like people who don't have the ability and like are like it professionals or, or network admins they don't look at it that way they look at it as well i was taught this configuration works for this device and this is the way it goes but we look at it from a complete different direction if i was to compare myself no and i was an it manager like if i compared myself to, like i would always be in like conferences and shit and this is why i was like you know part of like 30 fucking hacking groups right and i, I would always be like man these dudes don't yeah. even fucking know the half of it yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know it, it, like i said it, it's so hard you know it was hard for me because I, like you were talking about in the beginning I always feared that if I said something to somebody, you know, if, if that shit leaked out and, and people found out like what groups I actually rolled with in, in the hacking industry, or not industry, but community, um, you know, I'd be in jail in a, in a heartbeat, you know, they, I, I just felt like, like always like, like I had to hide it. You know, yeah. it was just the weirdest shit ever, you know. And, and, and it branches off into like multiple facets of your personal life, right? So yeah, you you protect what you think should be private and, and protect people around you, but you end up doing that with, with shit you shouldn't. Um, right. And I, I can't explain that. I think it's the combination of working in intelligence in the military and have to be very secretive about what I do. And then the hacking part on top of it. 
um, which made me like a very secret person. Like, you know, I can't tell this person this. I can't tell people any of this shit. Um, no. But now it's come to the point where I'm at a different level. And I was told by a, a journalist that your role in the world right now is to be completely vocal. Um, because if something does happen, um, people will ask questions. Because that's you, what, yeah, yeah, the cybersecurity industry and InfoSec in general, you know, they, they, they need, um, you know, voices like, you know, like ours, like, you know, we've experienced the birth of, of hacking in a general sense. I mean, you know, of course, it's been around however many decades, but since Roman the times. 2000s, let me tell you the 2000s, like Exodus and everybody, like different groups that I've come up with, like it, it really took off then. It, it really became um, something, something to do. It was um, Dude, it's, it's something culture, you know? Yeah, it's something special. Right. So I did a yeah. documentary in Vegas, I think it was 2008, um, called Hackers Are People Too. And <laughs> right. yeah, so like our generation, our skill set, we're like very few. Um, people think that CEH and all that shit, like it's a big fucking industry. And, and you I read know, that book. Dude, it's lame. <laughs> right. So when you look at the skilled people, people who have history, people who have like, who've made a mark in, you know, security and hacking. There's very few. I can name like five off the top of my head that, that help contribute to what we are now. Like, oh like Ralph yeah. Eshmedia, um, the ethical hacker, uh, Barrett Brown. Um, there's, there's just like a hand view, right? But it's such a small community that we all know each other and we've all contributed to what we are now. And I remember it, Barrett in the, the IRC channels, he, him and Todd Perry, I swear it, you couldn't, you couldn't have your drink near you because if you were reading the threads while they were talking, you're spitting, <laughs> you're spitting shit out because they were just so brazen with what they said. They didn't give a fuck, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it hasn't stopped. So I talked to Barrett like a couple weeks ago and, yeah, I mean, he's still the, the, the fiery, like, you know, let's mm -hmm. do this type of person. Um, you know, but again, like we created this, this availability for ethical hacking. Like there was, when I came into what I know as security, like there was no CEH, right? There was no certifications no. for that type of shit. I helped develop CEH like 1.2, um, and back then, like, there really was no pen testers. Like, they looked at us as, you know, hey, we want to get some shit done. We'll pay some money under the table, cash, whatever, help us out. But now it's like a legit job. Um, and so, yeah. like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, when I was sitting in a library in like 2004, I, I couldn't imagine one day that somebody would have me money to hack into something. <laughs> I yeah. Would, I would have been like, what? Like, really? Like, that's cool, man. Like, let's do this. <laughs> and even now, even now, like, so when I work with companies like from the Canary Islands and Dubai, um, you know, it's like PayPal, Bitcoin payments, you know, they understand the shit. They understand, you know, the secrecy, they understand the protection. And wow. that, that wasn't legit back then. 
like pain. I remember through. Bitcoin. Uh, it was like what was it, 2007 or eight? Yeah. And I was on the dark net, right? And uh, some kids like, you know, I'll sell you 30 coins to, um, you know, for 30 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, bro. I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with that shit, right? Years later, the dude's like a millionaire, right? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh my god! I'm, I'm like, I should have fucking bought him, you know? Like, ah. so, so Exodus is talking through chat. He dropped video. I think he has a problem with his connection, but he said um, uh, there used to be a, a listing for surviving BBSs back in 2008. So back in 1997, I think it was. Um, I had hacked into the nuclear subcommittee BBS. Um, and that was, so someone had dropped a hint in 2600 and it was kind of like a, like a encrypted, like cryptic type message through 2600 magazine. And I hit that shit and broke into the BBS. Um, got me in a lot of trouble. Got me a letter that I ended up framing and putting on the wall as far as like, Hey, don't do this shit again. Um, but yeah, like BBS back in the day was like the bomb. I think that my first like real hack, like I, I told um who was it on Twitter? Um Alyssa Miller. She don't even know who the fuck I am, but <laughs> so but I dialed a random number, you know, in like 1998, 1999, something like that. And they, they called a London phone-based service. You know, remember the black box, blue box shit? Yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs, you know how you got three long distance. Captain well, Crunch. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Captain Crunch. Yeah, they got a whistle for him at DEF CON or something. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, so I called this phone service and the lady hangs up and I heard the dial tone. And if you know pay phones, you know that the, the fuck shit reset and I had a free tone. So we figured out that there was a switching board that was fucked up. So, it, and it was funny too because after high school, I would drive past with my mom, you know. And there would be like 30 kids lined up outside the payphone. And my mom's like, what did you do? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I just dialed a random number. I'm like, they get free long distance. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Ryan talked about the 2600 Hertz. And yeah, so yeah. that's where the Captain Crunch, that's where the whistle came from. And I'm about to post yeah. another uh, link. I remember in- people. They were posting it on Twitter, and I'm like, "What the fuck is a Captain Crunch whistle?" Because so, I've been a hacker for so long, I never even been to fucking that cotton. You know? So like, you're in a you're in a different generation than me because we didn't have Twitter back in the day. Like it yeah. was literally BBS and email back and forth. And when Captain Crunch mm-hmm. came out, like that exploit for freaking, like that was like a game changer. But yeah. with that being said. You know, you talk about hackers, you talk about monumental changes and shit like that. Um, let's you not. Know one get... thing I noticed, um, and real quick, is uh, it was something that me and another friend, and you could probably agree, is a lot of hackers are gamers. I think gaming really <laughs> so brings out creativity in people. You know yeah. I mean? So, so Kaspersky, I have a meeting with them on next week about. Um, I think it's called Hunter Hacker it's a documentary they're doing on Netflix. And so they Mm -hmm. want me to be a part of a documentary about how gaming and kids, how they get groomed for more like nefarious cyber crimes. So, Mm -hmm. and that brings up a big deal about 
like gaming and, and online systems and shit like that and let your kids like run free on on roblox and and minecraft and all that stuff um but that's gonna be big and that's gonna be yeah coming what up was it aol um when 3.0 came out and stuff like that <laughs> I remember, you know, I was always looking around. I'm like looking for Mortal Kombat cheat codes and shit like that. That's how I stumbled into IRC channels, by the way. Yeah, that's so what led me down the fucked up road. <laughs> I was so, looking for Mortal Kombat. And that there. that that leads me to the APK that I did for uh, Cyberpunk 2077. APK. Wow. So you post that shit on Reddit and let it roll, dude. Did they fix that game? They fixed it, but when you tell people you have a mobile version and you post an APK on the internet, dude, it blows up. And so I could own pretty much any Android device based on that game. Um, not saying I did it, but you know, it's, it's a possibility, it's a complete possibility. So, yeah, um, my daughter hacks on Roblox. Yeah, for real. dude, Ghost, I don't doubt that your daughter hacks on everything. Um, I would hide my microwave if I was you. <laughs> right. Um, so any other questions for the panel, for Ryan, for me, for, for Ghost, for Johnny Five? Um, this is your last chance. Uh, yeah, yeah, Minecraft. Minecraft is really crazy. I can own your entire network through building a device on Minecraft. Um, Make good botnets, yep. Yeah, dude. <laughs> My Minecraft servers are so easy to deploy, like literally less than 20 seconds. Yeah. Oh, and, and Exodus says his mic is null. It's, it's okay, dude. You're good. I'm reading. I do have ability to like read outside of ones and zeros. <laughs> Very Any little. Yeah, I'm trying to explain that to a normal person, the binary system. Dude, so Amazon, right? So look <laughs> up binary bracelet on Amazon. They legit have a bracelet that's ones and zeros. Yeah, check it out. It's cool. Yeah, I always wanted to get it like a tattoo like that. You know? I have one. It's yeah. real, It's right. There, nice. yeah, and a QR code, yeah, QR, yeah, QR, yeah. yeah. and hex, yeah. Oh. yeah. What's the base 64 man? Um, that's future. Oh, future. Right. <laughs> oh, so Ghost says he has binary on his left wrist. Prove it, yeah. or it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> pick or get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest hack that you've done, you can talk about. Okay, I, I can't really go into who the target was, but I disconnected an entire, how do I say it? I don't wanna say it without giving away. An entire group within a group from crucial comms because I net splitted their messaging. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but a lot of governments, a lot of uh, countries use IRC to communicate from ground to or from sea to ground. Um, and they use IRC for real. So, yeah. What was that? 
I see. <laughs> I got a funny one. How about this? Uh, this is be the only one I share. I, I like that though. What you posted on the Eventbrite, you're like way to get in the Darknet Diaries, right? So, <laughs> um, one time um, we were doing a pedophile apparition, you know, and I was with a with a vigilante hacky group, and um, so I'm scanning the site, you know, from the command line, and the site looked like it was up to me, you know, but here it was a parking domain, right? So I found a SQL injection flaw on it and ended up getting into the to the database and, and there was millions of accounts that was fucking connected to Google and everything. And um, so I'm like, oh shit, you know, like, holy fucking cow, you know, like um, I just blitzed something that was really big. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was one crazy hack that I, I did. And, and it, it was merely accidental because the way it looked from to me from my command line was that this fucking site was there you know it was up you know um but i couldn't believe it because the the parking domain redirected and they had a php page on it and then of course they didn't sanitize properly so so i I think one of the most exciting hacks i've done is actually not really a hack it's like downloading Mm -hmm. shit to a usb and walking out the front door with it those are always fun and exodus has (laughs) to mention Exus has to has to mention Op Iran. So you read my mind. So we won't go into what happened with Op Iran, but yeah, yeah, wow. um, man, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm gonna shut down my video for a second. You guys continue. Ryan, moderate. Um, questions. This is like the only chance you guys are gonna get for this panel. So I would take advantage of it. Um, this is this is going on Tech Strong TV. And uh, I can't promise you we'll ever have this opportunity again. So I'll be back in one second. Any question, Ed? What is uh, it? Damo. Damo, you've always got a question, man. Hmm. You there, Damo? Damo. (laughs) Damo. He's ghosted us. How fitting. Well, Justice D, I really appreciate you guys sharing. Um, Wow. Anyone? No, it's gone quiet. Oh, here we go. Where have you seen... Oh, Johnny Five, have you had any run-ins with the law? (laughs) Um, (laughs) luckily, no. (laughs) Um, But I've, I've, um, I've, 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 from what I've heard, I've—I mean, I, I can't imagine the, the file on me, but, um, you know, I guess uh, some get lucky, some don't, um, you know. And I, I'm happy to be part of the lucky camp, and um, you know, I—I I don't take nothing away from those that have, that have gone down. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, like I said, it's really hard to talk about because it's. You know, it's something personal to me. I've, I've watched a lot of friends die. I've, I've watched a lot of friends go to jail. And, and then meanwhile, you know, you end up never being touched. And sometimes you think like, why? <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I've, I've, I've had quite a few run-ins, I would say, you know, more online, like Twitter-wise than anything. Because, you know, every time somebody got butt hurt, you know, they would tag the FBI and try to, you know, get them to 
look at me, but I'm sure the FBI was looking like, like, you better not fuck with this guy if you know it's good for you. But uh, I always thought that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's So as far as like, go ahead, Brian, go ahead. So Johnny and Exodus, like, have you suffered much of like the tall poppy kind of syndrome that, uh, that, that Mike has? Like, you know, jealous, other, other guys jealous, like you're talking about butthurt people on Twitter. Like, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it happens to me. Within, you know, like within the community, like, what's the threat like from? I'd uh, like to think that everybody, at some level, respected me. I mean, I've I've, I've even had people from the KKK <laughs> message me on Twitter. You know, to, to leave their website alone. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it and and when you talk to these people and stuff like that, you know that that's something that Mike was talking about earlier. You know, with everything that's going on in the country. You know, it's like uh, to me, it, it's. I always, like I said, I always thought of what I did as, as whatever group I was with as, as the great equalizer. So if anybody ever seen the equalizer, you know, it's exactly what he does, you know, is, um, I don't like when, when things go in one direction or the other. So, you know, when one hand gets out of line, that's where we go spank and get the butt hurt too. <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter who they are. It can be left, right, up, down, dimensional. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree um i do want to bring up one point real quick and interject so ghost i think should be like a part an integral part of podcast right um yeah yeah, totally so we do have patreon set up he needs like some voice and microphones headphones some place where he can like yeah place where you can like set up shop so if you guys want to donate to the podcast and help him out to get situated and part of the podcast, I'm totally down for it. Absolutely. I've, yeah. I've taken donations for him and given like RF type type of equipment and stuff, but I think he needs like some microphones and shit like that so that we can get him. On but I, I believe that people like, uh, especially Exodus, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a powerful voice in cybersecurity. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you're a company or, or somebody that's looking to, um, you know, hire people and stuff like that, and then if you got certain areas of, of cybersecurity, like what you do, Mike, um, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you, you can't buy talent like that. Um, nice. You know, there's people that's come up in our generation and our community that are worth their money and gold, worth their weight and gold. Um, yeah. So I, um, it's nice to see him. Yeah, for real. So, so, so Frenchie, can you post Linktree um, on the chat so people can get all the links for Haunted Hacker as far as Patreon, as far as Teespring, the website, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, it would be really cool. If anybody has that like available, I, I can't go digging for it right now, but um, yeah. yeah. That's important. So we kind of look at look after each other and ourselves within the within this group um, because I want it to be something special and I want to take care of our own people. That's one thing that that didn't happen anonymous like um, in any other group I was with is that if one person was lacking, it was like they were kind of left behind. That's not what I'm down for. The drama um, is what 
push me away. Um, I would yeah. I would suggest to people listening, you know, if you're in that community, um, don't don't listen to people, man. Yeah. Um, and also, like on that same same line, um, we have had like issues with other groups, which is 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 destined to happen. It's not we're not going to escape that shit. Um, but we have to look out for each other, do like due diligence and like check each other out and figure out like, you know, Hey, this is like sketchy or whatever. Um, but look out for each other because that's, you know, there's going to be attempts, whether it be government, whether it be other groups, whether it be just people who are just assholes period are going to try to infiltrate this group. Um, because anytime you succeed, there's going to be somebody who tries to knock that shit down. So yeah, look out for each other. Um, other than that, uh, I don't have anything else on this side. YouTube, if you guys want to participate, if you're just a listener, you're not part of like the, the, the crew or whatever, if you want to give back to the community and like do some videos on different hacks or techniques, I'm down for it. Send me the video. I'll post it on YouTube. I'll clean it up, add music to it, whatever. And we'll host it because to me, it's not just a group thing. We need to pass on all knowledge, whatever it be to other people coming into the industry and people who really are thirsty for that knowledge. And for us to sit on it and not pass that on is doing ourselves a disservice. So put together videos, email me or hit us in discord and I will help you get that shit to the YouTube channel so we can help other people. Otherwise, post the Discord link. Go ahead. You got it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just grabbing it down, man. Dude, I've got so many windows open. It's hard for me to like maintain yeah, shit here. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. Boom. And hopefully, with more of this corporate sponsorship, we can get like, you know, I can have like three or four monitors where I can like do different things at the same time, but it's, <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> so, and we're actually running tonight. The podcast is actually running tonight on my cell phone because we did get new Wi-Fi, but AT&T LTE internet service is horrible. Um, <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, definitely never a sponsor. They're lucky. They're luck. They're lucky I'm not attacking them right now. Like it's horrible. It's really bad. Um, but yeah, so send your ideas, questions, videos, whatever you want um, to the Discord. And also, um, we do have like all the merchandise and shit like that. Like really cool new logos um, for both Australia and the US and the UK. Um, Ariel asks, where are you from haunted? Um, I am from the ether. Um, I don't have a home. I literally am from the, the internet. I, I do live in a remote place on a mountain and away from civilization for a reason. Um, and you can ask the State Department why. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out why. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where I'm from. Originally, you know, I'll be honest, I'm from DC. I was born at Fort Meade. Uh, my dad was NSA. So that's where I started. Um, I was kind of born into this whole dynamic structure. Um, any other questions? I'm going to end this here in about five minutes. So this is your last chance for questions.
do you have a home in the UK? Interesting question. I do. I do have a home in the UK. So I won't go too much into that, but yeah, I have a family there. Anything else? All right, um, going once, going twice. Next step for HH. So, haunted hacker, next steps. Dude, like that's a dynamic question that I think that all of us need to answer. Like, where is this going? Um, I wasn't really sure, right? So, like, Ryan, can you handle that? What's that, what was the question, sorry? The next steps for HH. Um, I guess world domination, man. No, um, we, got the, <laughs> uh, we started the Australian Australian chapter, I guess you call it. Uh, we're just going to concentrate on content down here, keep the podcast centralized and uh, start doing some interesting videos on kind of all the aspects of, of cybersecurity, I guess, of hacking, pen testing, a bit of social engineering, you know, some interesting real world stuff. Get out from behind the keyboard and get out and do some interesting shit. Lock picking. Yeah. Lock picking, a little bit of RFID cloning, you know, all the yeah. fun stuff. All the good know? shit. So with, with that said, um, people in other countries, you know, we have US on lockdown, we have UK on lockdown or, or Australia on lockdown. We are lacking Asia, Europe. Um, I may have some Russia contacts we can spread that shit to. Uh, but if you're in another country other than the U.S. and Australia, bang it up. If you guys want to lead the HH movement in that country, let me know. Let Ryan know, whoever in Discord, and we'll make sure you get what you need. I know that Damien has the U.K. pretty much on lockdown. He's waiting on like more feedback from, I guess, merchandise, whatever. But if you want to, like, let's let's say you want to like boom some shit. So Ireland, great idea. Ireland, if you want to boom some shit for HH in Ireland, let us know. Um, Ryan has like spread the shit to Australia like effectively. So if you want to model to model that after, contact Ryan, and we can go from there. But I, but I would like to see it spread as far as you guys want to take it. Um, I'm okay with whatever. It makes me a little nervous, but you know, hey, it's our movement. It's 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 part of who you are. Do it. Do what you want to do. Okay. Um, yeah. Keith, don't good. forget your old gateway. On my, yeah, I don't, yeah. Belfast is like a, an old friend of mine. Um, I just say hack the planet, man. <laughs> dude, that's where we're going. So as many. That's people, what's up. You know. As many, people, as many people who want to get involved, um, I'm willing to work with them. Um, I have no political ties. I have no country yeah. boundaries, just whatever. I'm a human being, man. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a citizen of planet Earth, period. <laughs> right, for now. <laughs> so with that being said, last call for questions. Anybody has any questions, I'm going to shut this down and wrap this up and start converting the video for TechStrong TV. Um, anything else? Man, I just want to thank Johnny Five, uh, Exodus, and yourself, Mike, for 
great show, man, as always, you know. And it, everyone for turning up, man. It's like a cracking turnout. So impressed. Uh, for Thank you everyone for coming. Yeah, believe me, it was uh, everybody was uh, pretty supportive and uh, I just appreciate it, you know, because uh, I feel like, um, you know, I put in my put in my time and put in my work and, you know, it's just I, I, I always envisioned something like that. You know, when I when I first hooked up with Mike, I, I just thought that, that this was a great idea, you know, because, you know, it. Um, like other podcasts too, you know, but, but this one in particular, you know, where we can bring industry leaders together, talk some hacking, talk some other industry stuff. Um, it works for everybody, man. So, yeah. It's, yeah. it's rare that you get this combination of people in one place. Right. Oh yeah. No doubt. So that being said, I'm going to sign off and uh, get this prepared for TV um thanks everybody for logging in cool see you, man see you next week yeah you guys indeed later guys later guys <laughs>